from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello and welcome along to chapter 50.0 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray and alongside me as always Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hi Danny, how are you? Absolutely fantastic man, how are you? Great. Loving this, loving this. Sport, Half a century. Sporty summer and yeah, here we are on our 50th cap. Amazing. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Fitzpatrick's are outside with their banners and their fans there <laughs> for us and all that. Well, we thought it was for us. It was just actually they were still celebrating 44 years. years. <laughs> we're older than them. We are. That's no, it now. We're really no, nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. But we look more youthful <laughs> and more energetic. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So we're brought to you by Fitzpatrick Castle, as always. Um, all throughout this summer, every Friday pop up, they have a bottomless barbecue going on. 27 quid and you can have as much as you want and Prosecco. Yeah, it's as much as one Prosecco. I didn't know that till yesterday. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So every Friday, pop up, have a feed, have a drink, roll down the hill, back to the border, and you'll be laughing. <laughs> Done. Problem solved, man. Fitzmagicastle.com. Or to go for All you can drink Prosecco. Yeah, we said that, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Why are they giving away Prosecco? Don't people like it, don't they? People go mad for it, don't they? Yeah. I, yeah, I was at a wedding in Italy before and I drank a crap load of Prosecco. Yeah. Uh, man. It's too easy to drink. It's nice, though. Yeah. Joy Prosecco. It's kind of friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's grand. <laughs> the Nessus does. Yeah. <laughs> From the Littles or the Aldis? From anything out of a bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good enough. Yeah. I drank it out of a carton once. It was just good. Not going to lie. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, no, wait. That was wine. Wine out of a carton. That was goon, was it? That was rotten. Yeah. I, don't, I can't drink wine. Anyway, look. Patrickcastle.com yeah. <laughs> or Facebook.com forward slash Patrickcastle. So, this is a summer of sport. And last week we done sport, and this week we're doing sport again, and we're not sorry, and we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, we'll do what we um, want. And our guest this week is Adam Redmond, who you may know from the Times Irish edition, Tap and Go Rugby as well. Yep. Which is a great website, but I fair play to you on that one. And uh, you might have read his stuff in the likes of the Mail and that over the years, and other associated press within Ireland. But Adam, thank you very much for joining us, man. Great to be here, lads. Thanks for the invite. Another uh, Borough boy as well, which is always yeah. great. Yeah, Lawrence College alumni. Yeah, alumni. Is that not alumni? Is that alum? Alum. Alum. Alumni. It's all the same. Alumni. Is that not a cheese? No. <laughs> yeah, alumni. <laughs> Maybe you're thinking of the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you with them as well? Yeah, yeah. I can't. I've said too much already. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking to Adam about all things uh, rugby mainly, but also before we do that, we've got a football and housekeeping to do. So Graham, whatever something I like to call housekeeping. Tilupachu. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to wonder you settle on a jingle. Uh, the sound effects department here is brilliant, lads. Oh, no, I can't remember what jingle I do, so I yeah. just change it. No, no expense was spared, <laughs> um, lads. We are in the midst of Euro 2016. It's been great so far. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Any any shock results for you so far? Bear, no, bear, in, mind, bear in mind, we're recording this about three days before it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully Portugal don't get hammered. By, yeah. Uh, Iceland. Bear, yeah, Iceland. Iceland's first tournament. I think the, uh, the the Belgian result, I don't think anybody saw them getting comprehensively beaten. Yeah. I, was I know it was 2-0, but geez, that's a record score for an Italian team. Really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, especially know? at this stage of the <laughs> yeah. tournament. Um, I, was, uh, I was expecting a draw in that game, and then after Ireland drew, I was like, oh shit, don't be a draw, don't be, because that would have been horrible for us. Would a draw would have, yeah, I'd, I, I think thought if we got a draw, it would have been back to plan, like, 
plan A like well having spent most of yesterday afternoon and yesterday night in the pub heard a million theories and I think by the end of the night we all settled on the one that you want Italy to win the first two games so that they're clean straight through and that they're going to rest players or fellas are on yellow cards they'll hold them out and they won't really have an awful lot to play for against us against us Okay. and then if we get a point or even beat Belgium look Belgium the problem with Belgium is they've got better they've better individuals than, than Sweden have but they didn't play like a team last night no, no but they're, they are like you said they're a team of individuals so like Manchester City of international football yeah like they not one of them I was Great. watching the game last night and I thought um, Italy uh, used the long ball against Belgium brilliantly classic hoof the, down the middle just hoofing it and Belgium were shaking like Jack they don't Jack, have company either Jack Charlton would have cried emotionally <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Being a> beauty <laughs> yeah um, yeah, they are. They're very much so. Individually, their skill set is brilliant. Like they've got some great players, but then you put them all on at once, and it's kind of what's there's nothing happening here. There's nothing going on here. It's Fellaini was awful. Well, that's yeah, Fellaini well, for you, though. Yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like they're number two in the world, and you're kind of watching them going. How? Are they number two in the world? Yeah. yeah. Jesus, that's madness. You're kind of going. Yeah. How are they? Like, but Ireland, I thought played excellent. It's the best I've seen them play in a long, long time. Yeah. Played it's, with a bit of adventure at times. Yeah, yeah. Which. We, we're not used to in the last six, seven years, I would say. No, like no. We could, haven't had the quality, I suppose, for a long time. But I think the, the great thing about... Like, not a huge amount player-wise has changed under O'Neill. But the thing is, O'Neill believes in the players. Roy Keane believes in the players. Yeah. Trapatoni came out and what he was basically saying to everyone in the country was like, no, we're going to do it my way because the players aren't good enough to do it what the way you're talking about. And you're going, yeah. well, if that's what you're saying in public, what are you saying to the lads in the dressing room? Yeah, but like how how... how like that that's not even giving any of the players confidence like but, we don't have a uh, Perlo but we have Keith Andrews I think it was one of his quotes he said before yeah or no I think he uh, compared Keith Andrews to Catuso. years we used to love Catuso. did you he was a little madman how would you not love him yeah he's like a little pit bull actually <laughs> segue how good is Keith Andrews commentary so far oh, oh brilliant well, like, great segue <laughs> great segue <laughs> almost as good as Keith Andrews commentary <laughs> I think the dream team is Brian Kerr and Keith Andrews. Oh, yes, I'd uh, love that. And I don't want any play-by-play. No. I just want the two of them shouting. Shout, the two yeah. of them, yeah. Uh, it would, you get the feeling it would descend into just a shout match over sausage rolls or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it probably would. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I laughed out loud when I heard Keith Andrews go, uh, he, he called Trevor Welch Trev. Yeah. <laughs> something as simple as that. Like I'd be cracking up. Yeah, uh, now Keith Andrews was definitely being a little gem. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I, I had a great idea last year. I was watching. A, I can't remember what I was watching. Anyway, Brian Kerr was commentating. I just sent out a tweet and I got about a million retweets. It was like idea for Apple. Brian Kerr is the voice of Siri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you? What can I get you? <laughs> you don't want to desk- go there. You don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Would You're- you not go into your car tonight? No. <laughs> Here, I've seen this fella at Cherry Orchard. Brian, I'm trying to, trying to find a coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been excellent. Oh, we did, I, I didn't hear, I was in the pub watching the Ireland-Sweden match, so I didn't hear much of the commentary there. But uh, yeah, like we were saying, I think we played very well. Hendricks, yeah. I thought, stood up uh, brilliantly. Super. Robbie Brady, yeah. I thought John O'Shea was excellent. I think, I think McCar- James McCarthy's a great player, but I think, don't want to blame Glenn Whelan, but I think, Glenn Whelan abandons him a bit on the park and he nearly has to double up and he gets caught out and he's get making these harsh tackles and getting booked and I don't know yeah, like Dunphy lashed James McCarthy out of it Yeah, well, he blamed McCarthy's course. performances for Roberto uh, Martinez getting sacked at Everton 
Did he? Yeah, last night. It's liable. Jesus, yeah, that. Again, in the pub. But, you know, it's a funny thing, like, because working on the media side of it, I mean, we, like, you know, the rugby side of things, we're talking to guys and we're looking at matches and we're like, why isn't this guy doing what we're expecting him to do or whatever? And, mm. and sometimes you'll find out, you know, six weeks later, you talk to one of the coaches off the record, maybe in a bar or, you know, even just something casual, like, you know, at a media event, and you're just chatting in the hallway or something. And they'll say, well, to be honest, we need him to do this for us and you know we don't really want to publicize that but this is the job he's got to do and whatever so i'm watching mccarthy yesterday i'm thinking he can't be that stationary and that's just what he's deciding to do i mean there must be some reason why martin o'neill or roy Keane or whoever's in charge of the show there is saying because for me the way we play with sort of false swingers if you will they're, they're they're hard-working guys who tuck in so when you've got Robbie Brady and Coleman, yeah, they'll get forward, they'll get you good crosses, and that's why you can do it. But McCarthy's got to support the full backs, and when they're working that side of the pitch, he's got to kind of give them an option. And he just, he was just very, I just thought he was there to stand still and make tackles when any, anyone came near him. And maybe that's just the role, like, you know? Yeah, could be. I'd hate to think it's the role. Well, yeah. Maybe, they, as I said, it's a kind of a specific job, and they're kind of like, now just sit, we've got guys running around you, so yeah, like I think it's a good point. Um, I thought the performance itself was better than the whole of the Euro 2012 campaign uh, anyway. It was, it was more than better. We trap, actually scored. Trap, yeah, we actually <laughs> yeah. scored. But th- like, if we had a scored at the same time under Trap, Trap would have just parked the bus. Yeah. And would, although the substitutions only made were a bit... I, thought, I, I don't think bringing, I don't think bringing Robbie Keane on for Wes Hulahan made any sense when Wes no, Hulahan is our creative I think, I think no. Wes Hulahan had run himself silly a little bit yeah. yeah. and the only thing is and I noticed it, it Graeme Souness was giving out the stink about one of the matches there yesterday about the state of the Spain game he's giving out about the state of the pitch and it was too slow and all the rest of it and the problem with Spain or France is a lot of the stadiums they're not like owned by the clubs they're municipal stadiums so mm. they're local government or government owned so they don't necessarily get you the highest spec pitches okay. and you've yeah. got the same situation Stade France they don't even have under soil heating that's right and yeah. um, sure. I just thought when you in the second half I was looking at the pitch and whenever you see somebody take a throw in you could see lumps everywhere like yeah, the pitch yeah. was cutting up and you're going yeah. like this is the highest level of fo- international football that you're going to see at the moment and like they deserve a better pitch than that and you know, they, they do talk about, you know, what was the thing about Wembley? It takes, takes it out of your legs. Mm. If you were making the runs that, that Wes Hoolan, like, first half he didn't touch the ball an awful lot, but he was running himself Yeah, he was everywhere. pressing. And he's 32, like, you know. 34. 34. 34, excuse 34, me. 34 yeah. yeah. Excuse well, me. I, I, heard that, <laughs> I heard that this morning. I was like, what? Yeah, so Ken, I went on Wikipedia and I was like, holy shit, he is Ken, Ken Early had a great article about Wes Hoolan this morning, basically saying, you know, he 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 was available five and six years ago, but yeah, he was just yeah. left out and abandoned. It's it's weird as well, though. It's almost like just being this kind of national sort of thing of like everybody loves Wes. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like absolutely everybody has kind of like made in the League of Ireland. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Shelburne. They've they've almost adopted him as their player. Do you know what I mean? Like it's Wes. Like, mm. and I just think that. That goal yesterday should mean something now. Like it, it shouldn't. I hope it's not just resigned to a highlight clip. I hope they kick on, like, and actually get yeah, another get, result to get out of the group. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with 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 the potential of uh, here's a bit of a segue onto hooliganism, <laughs> but with the with the potential From of hooliganism, yeah. hooliganism, the hooliganism. Uh, <laughs> with before we went on there, there was trouble there with uh, Wales and England fans were joining together against Russian fans and Lille. So I think throw the three teams out. 
and then we get a better better right. chance of qualifying. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, it's the, just the, the whole crowd thing. Like I, I seen you wave came out today, and he said, oh, "What was the exact wording of it?" Um, a suspended disqualification yeah, and a hundred and fifty thousand euro or pound fine. Th- that's an absolute joke. To the hundred and fifty thousand yeah. or whatever, but the, there's also a caveat on the suspended disqualification it's only if there's violence in the stadium again because yeah, they don't have jurisdiction jurisdiction outside the stadium I yeah. think I, I think that that's the kicker because fans are going to look at that and they're going to say it's not coming out of air pocket that 150 grand so that means absolutely nothing and hang on are you telling me outside the stadium we can still yeah, throw chairs still. pick people up throw them in rivers throw bottles abuse the cops wreck the locals then you've got the Russian Federation and the politicians saying isn't that what we go to matches for to fight yeah it's like what yeah. These lads are hold, hosting the World Cup in two Just years. I say, can't wait to go. We <laughs> qualify. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, what the well, hell see, is going ha- on? You have to, like, Russia is so, it's huge, man. It's fast, like. And football is really only popular in the West. Yeah. The further east you go, people are like, what? Well, no, because the weather is so shit and everything else. Like, you know what I mean? So it literally is that kind of pocket. And because then you have those teams that have those ultras or whatever. Yeah. Of course, when the World Cup goes there, there's going to be killings. Of course, there is. There's, you know, and um, especially when the government that, like approves of it. <laughs> yeah, when you, <laughs> you know what I mean. State-sponsored hooliganism. Yeah, yeah that, that's what it sounded like. I read, a, I read an article. I think it was in the Irish Times about the. It was a, a Russian Federation f- football federation official, but I think it was also the sports minister who was basically giving it the thumbs no, up. The, like the, the sports minister didn't, because I was actually reading that he was one that came out and said we we don't approve of our fans doing this when they go to any country expecting to stay within the laws of that country. Yeah. But I think it was like... But who was the, in, who was the official on the pitch um, when Eng- the full-time whistle and he was like going over to the Russian fans yeah, yeah. applauding them as they were charging, charging towards the English fans. Yeah, I know. It's bananas. Like the whole Maybe, situation maybe he was the guy who passed in the flare gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How the hell did he get a flare gun into a stadium? Yeah. Like that, that does worry me and like I know so many people have gone over to the Euros and yeah. you know... I would hate to think that anything would uh, that anything bad will happen, you know, the way. And I, I'd, I'd also think, look, if anything's going to be targeted, it's not going to be an Ireland game, touch wood. It'd be yeah. England, France, Germany, you know, that's... Yeah. Well, their fans again are showing oh. how funny they are and how a lot of them are spending their summer holidays at the Euros. And yeah. mm. Some and of the clips coming out are just absolutely hilarious. Well, do you know what's brilliant? Like, social media, sometimes it can be an absolute pain in the arse and, and you can be like, some people should just never be allowed anywhere near it. We can see the negatives all the time, but like, it's absolutely fantastic for yeah. something like this. Like, yeah. There's the videos of the Irish and Swedish fans singing ABBA. Abba. And then I saw another one today, one of the Swedish lads in his <laughs> Viking hat and an Irish fellow with tricolour doing, yeah. bull, like, doing the, the bullfighting stuff. <laughs> and it just, like... And I, I, was, I was actually over in Paris um, in 2004, 2005. It was just after Roy Keane came back, we played a qualifier. It was mm. nil-nil. Again, John O'Shea should have scored at the Stade de France. That bloody stadium. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was, like, 35,000 Irish over there and it yeah. was it was bedlam but it was it was the most brilliant kind of bedlam like yeah. we were there on the Friday night and we were going around and every Irish fan you met just said uh, Eiffel Tower tomorrow 2 o'clock and all of a sudden there's like 10,000 Irish people under the Eiffel Tower kicking footballs around and I looked and everyone's drinking cans and having the crack and I look over and I see you know, because it's a national monument. They've got, yeah. like, their proper national security forces there. So guys all dressed in black with, like, the Uzis and stuff. Yeah. And I kind of caught this out of the corner of my eye and I went over and I was saying, here, look, 
why are you letting us do this? You know, the way, you know, you're Irish. If you were English, we wouldn't let you anywhere near yeah, here. Really? Yeah, and they just, they, they know what they're dealing with and, like, they know everyone's there just to express themselves, have a good time. Yeah, look, there's always going to be a few head the balls have way too much to drink and, you but know. There, there's some of, the, some of the clips, like, there was two, two of my favourite clips so far have been um, a local Parisian just coming out of his balcony. He was in the Irish Examiner and he's coming out to his balcony just to have a look at the crowd and oh, the crowd yeah. cheered him, you know. And then he goes back into his apartment and the crowd are booing because he's gone in. Yeah. And then they're, they're waiting for him to come back out, but they're like, oh. <laughs> and then when he comes back out, they're like, yeah. And just that was going back and forth. Your man was loving life. There was another thing as well. There's an industrial strike going on in France at the yeah. moment. And the local bin men were on strike. And all these bin lorries went to a certain section of Paris to go on strike. But on their way back, they went through the Moulin Rouge where all the Irish fans had decided to take up home and uh, they all got on the back of the bin lorries and back of the lorries and back of the trucks and the drivers were loving life. Yeah. There was a lad with a tricolour around his, his neck and he was just singing and dancing with the Irish fans. It's amazing. It, it is brilliant to see and I've seen another clip then of um, a lot of Irish fans helping an elderly couple change a flat tyre. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it is amazing to see, right? And But this is where I'm going to be a bit of a you know, maybe a bit of wreck, wreck the balls, I don't know, but is there not Shock an element her. of, you know, they're having to crack and behave themselves, is that not what is expected? Are we almost looking for this kind of patronising pat in the back of Sherrard the Irish Grey just because we're looking and we're seeing English fans wrecking the gaff, Russian fans wrecking the gaff, now Welsh fans wrecking the gaff, and there's us just having to crack, like, are we not a little bit kind of like... I, I think there are two things too, I think, number one, we don't have a culture, well, the Welsh don't anyway, we don't have a culture of getting to these things very often so when we do yeah. we really appreciate it but also like other than like a couple of dopes from like Bows and Shamrock Rovers yeah. they think they're hard men What's like we don't Shamrock Rovers I know you're not in the middle of the ultras you meant just Bows there dope sick you two already but you know what I mean we don't have like an old school hooliganism sort of culture and and, and people tell you it's gone away in in England it hasn't gone away it's just a very 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 small percentage but it's there's there's a hooligan gang for every club over there and they still all yeah they all still try and meet up and and look that's just the way it is Uh, you know are we looking to be getting the best fans in the world award yeah why not but like I just think it shows you you can go perfect example Sky Sports News does my head in not just because they rob stories or they go on Twitter and they call it Sky Sources but they interviewed this absolute clown uh, the day after the first fights with the Russians and the local kids from Marseille and uh, this absolute just your man who's in his 40s should know much better to be doing what he's doing and he was claiming oh we, we was just having a laugh we was just having a laugh and then they came over and they was going yeah well they were slagging you or they were shouting at you or whatever so just ignore them or shout back you don't have to start like picking up furniture and start yeah. fights and like and for Sky to actually give this idiot uh, you know a platform to sort of say oh poor old us you know we were just starting a fight because somebody called us a name I mean but the, the the funny thing about Sky as well, like Gary Cotterill on Saturday morning was in Marseille. So England fans got to Marseille on Thursday, ran amok Thursday, ran amok Friday, and then the Russians came into town on Saturday and battered them. But from the Friday night actions, uh, Sky had Gary Cotterill live on the scene in some pub where they let off a flare, or a flare was thrown in. 
and he goes, uh, so we're going to speak to Amanda here now, Amanda, uh, who works behind the bar. She's going to tell us that the English fans, it was it was all a bit blown out of proportion. Um, how was it, Amanda? Yeah, really bad. Really <laughs> bad. And then he goes, oh, so she hasn't got that uh, good English. And she's like, oh, very, very bad. <laughs> it's just like, they're, the propaganda out of Sky pointing the finger. Yeah. You know, yeah. fair enough. Russia's, Russia fans were terrible on Saturday. Yeah. They got into town on Thursday and Friday. There was no Russian fans about then. Yeah. Do you know? Um, there was no reports of clashes with Russian fans. It was yeah. just English fans. The, the other thing I want to point out about the whole Ireland thing, and I'm not saying, by the way, that it's... That I don't think we intentionally be. go out to win the best fans. No, or, I know. But I think it's just instinctual. Like, go over, have a few beers, sing song, and it just turns out that we are the best fans in the no, world. No, th- and that's fine. And, and it's just, it's it's touching on kind of what you said, Adam, as well, about like social media coming into it and the fact that we're seeing so much of this now. And don't get me wrong, it's great. Like, I love seeing it. But I just think, is there an element of that we're just sharing it to be like, look at us, lads, aren't we great again? Because, look, but I do want to say two things about the fans. At the match against Sweden, the tribute that was paid to the Northern Irish fan, that lost his life. Super, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, who would have thought, like, even 20 years ago, Irish fans at a football match singing stand up for the Ulster men. But he, you know he, what I mean? He, he, even was the, the tributes to him, there was there was Northern jerseys, there was Republic jerseys, you know, yeah. and yeah, look, it's sport is just sport has this amazing power to just bring people together or pull them apart as we've seen with the English and the mm-hmm. Russians. Yeah. <laughs> but it still has this amazing hold over all of us, whatever it is. And you know, it's funny, I was just just a side side note for I'm I'm studying uh, sort of marketing commercial stuff uh, on social media for sports organisations. And I was talking to somebody uh, from the IRFU last week, and he said, and I said, you know, sports a unique thing. Does that help you like when you're trying to sell stuff and all the rest? And he goes, look, if you got, he goes, sport can treat you, your team can treat you terribly. Could you imagine if every other Mars bar you got was crap? You'd never buy another Mars bar, he said. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he goes, and you love your team, but you know, Jesus, they put you through the ringer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and I think that's, and again, that comes back to we appreciate getting to a big championships, and let's be there. And if you're going to spend your hard-earned cash to go over there, have a bloody good time. Like that's that. amazing. That that tribute was lovely. It was, as well. it was brilliant. Um, and look, as you said, if you're going to spend your money to get over there, I've, I've been to France a few times. I love France. Um, would you be? Would you begrudge the whole uh, best fans in the world monarch? I wouldn't begrudge it. I would because, like, you're I, just I've you're been your point is that, uh, well, like, how are we supposed to behave? My point is, are are we looking for pats on the back for doing what we're supposed to do? I don't think we're I looking mean, for pats on the back, though. No, I don't know. I just think with the amount of sharing and all, look at us now. Look what we've done now. Look at. I just no, think I there's a small. Seen, I haven't seen anything on Twitter or social media that haven't said that wasn't worth watching or. or I'm the same. I just yeah. think it, it just looks so natural. And and the other thing is, this stuff has been going on for years. It's just like you know. Yeah. A lot of clowns have probably forgotten to turn their data roaming off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be some big phone bills. But that's interesting back. you say that because I'm watching them and I'm kind of going, because you see some of the clickbait uh, headlines and you're kind of going, oh. yeah. you're kind of going, is this, I wonder if this is going to be forceful. Yeah. And you watch it and you're actually laughing your head off. Yeah. There was one there this afternoon where the Irish lads are on the train and a nun's gone to the toilet and she comes out of the toilet and they start singing Our Father to her. <laughs> So she's come back from the toilet and the lads are like, our father. And, the, and she's just like, what the hell? But she's like holding hands and yeah, it, tour, yeah. uh, it looked like a, a non-footballing fan tourist anyway. was kind of telling her, oh, look, 
they're singing a prayer for yeah, you like yeah. you know things I just think it's brilliant yeah, no, kind of raging watching it that I'm not there like don't get me wrong I've I've been to event like I mean we've gone to McGregor fights where the crowd has been bananas yeah. I, I was in the Stade de France when we won the Six Nations in 2014 I've been to occasions where the Irish fans have done that kind of, and I love it though. I'm not saying I don't I'm just starting to wonder now is it a case of that's now the story and that's why we're doing because like there is ever since Euro 2012 in particular when there was that whole thing of we got an award for being such great fans is there now this whole thing of come on lads let's, let's all be deadly again you know is, is it just people having the crack or is there people who are you know looking for the plot it's for just no, we, we should I, that, that fan award is out for every tournament so it's out for every World Cup and mm. every Euros if we get it we get it for a good reason yeah, you don't get it because I don't think we get it sympathetically. I get it because we behave well. We we have the crack. We don't wreck the gaff. There's where we but go. That, we go to these saying, cities. Is that not what is, is expected of you? You shouldn't be wrecking the gaff. Like making that point is is exactly. What I'm I saying. get like, you. I get you. I get you. But like we're, we're per kind of number of fans that are showing up to these cities, you think yeah. that there'll be a lot of trouble. Like they're talking about a hundred thousand Irish fans over in Paris. Mm. I mean, you would expect out of that number, you'd expect a little minority of trouble, perhaps. Yeah. And we never have any trouble. There's never any, just all silly, drunken, holiday, yeah, having a laugh behaviour. I've seen, I know people from Ballyrack that have brought their kids over to it, and yeah. they look like they're having the time of their life. There's a flag saying uh, something along the lines of, uh, "Hey lads, I'm, uh, I hate to be at school or something." <laughs> you know, this twelve-year-old with his parents. You know, it's, yeah. I think it's just brilliant. The, fa- the father Ted uh, flags are brilliant as well. Actually, I've seen a good few yeah. of them. It, t- it turns out actually, there's uh, one of the lads <clears throat> where where I'm living now. Um, f- f- through my wife's network of friends and all the rest, and he's a mad young fella. Works for the FAI soccer schools. Uh, he's friends with um, who was the fo- end of Stevens? End of Stevens, yeah. So. Rovers he, legend. <clears throat> so yeah, Rovers legend. Aston Villa and now at Portsmouth. Portsmouth, yeah, Portsmouth yeah. player of the year. And uh, but anyway, he's got he gets all the jerseys and he gets gear through Enda and all the rest. He goes to every single game. I was talking to him in the pub two weeks ago. I left the pub thinking we were going to win the Euros. <laughs> just one of these brilliant young lads. He's about 25, 26. He just lives for Ireland. Yeah. And 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 when I think of a man after like, my own heart, and he's actually he's in that. Uh, is it the three ad? You know, when oh, it, yeah. yeah, and he's on one of the buses when it's going on the overpass and you deadly. Know, yeah. But like he's he goes to every game and but him and the lads have their flag, the Bleeding Jesus Brigade, <laughs> which is on their flag, right? And I was talking to him about it, and it turns out the guy who makes all these flags is uh, just around the corner from where I am in Crumlin, and he he like he did a couple of them for the last Euros, and then all of a sudden word got around. And he's made like a li- he's flag like a little man cottage. Yeah. yeah, he's like little cottage industry in making all these flags. Yeah, but I saw a great one the other day. It was um, do you remember the RTE reporter out in Galway, Teresa? Manning? Yeah, 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 seen yeah. It. And the picture of her, and then the, the line was, "Sorry, Teresa, this journey was absolutely <laughs> necessary." <laughs> Brilliant. There are a few beauties, all right. There are. Yeah, there's there's another article begrudging the whole flag thing as well. Yeah, we talked was, about that last week. Yeah. We, we were uh, there was a, an article that was basically saying, uh, "Should all these flags?" You know, from Italia 90 when we were scoring great goals and beside the scoreboard, I had like Walkinstown Rovers or something. Yeah. But now there's just all these father, rent a father, Ted go. The article was very begrudging. Like, ah, look, I just think I think it just shows off there's a certain charm to the Irish wit, absolutely. And and even even the whole fan stuff now, it's charm, it's yeah, it's brilliant. Long right. may I continue, right? Before we park the football and move on to the, the sport after my own heart, um, Shane Fitz won't be happy with that. Apologies, Shane, the inferior sport. 
How, how <laughs> very dare you? Um, predictions for the Euros, boys. Who's going to win it? And how far will Ireland get? I still don't know who's going to win it, to be honest. I'd, ho- like, I'd hope that we get out of the groups. Okay. I'd be happy with one more match out of the groups. Okay. Yeah, I go with that. Get out of the group, although... Another pub stat I got yesterday, so I can't verify how, how accurate it is, and I'm not no mathematician, but somebody said, if you get three nil-all draws, you have an 81% chance that's of getting right, yeah. out yeah, of the group. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And look, I mean, the spirit of Italia 90 was all about nil-nils and one-ones <laughs> and stuff, and Absolutely. we had a great time, and it lives in the legend, and you'll never beat the Irish. That created the Celtic Tiger. Yeah, look, I mean, heartbreaking loss on penalties. I'm all up for that. That's the Irish way, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah. you know, and, or, or somebody getting sent off, and we get hard done by an extra time. Or, you know, look... It's um, a draw on Saturday and be Italy is my hope. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, and I, I keep saying this, I just have it in my head, we're going to get a good result against Italy because we just, we seem to have do. something on them. Yeah. In the last few years. I'm going to say winner, quarterfinal. My winner, here's what I said in the pub last night, we'll beat Italy, but Italy will win it. Do you think with Italy win the Euros? Think it'd be Italy or Germany. I don't think oh, France yeah. did enough to impress me to say that they'll do one. No, I, I don't think France will. I still, I said it last week, and I still maintain. I think Russia might get semi-finals. I just have a feeling. Russia just, were awful. They were England. awful, but the sign of a team who can do stuff is by staying in it and grinding out a result, which they did. They might be thrown out as well, though. Well, that's true. If they don't get thrown out, I still think they'll get at least quarters, definitely semis. I think. Well, and just remember one thing about France: even if they're not playing well, they'll get a few decisions. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Remember South Korea? Oh, geez. oh yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that could have been us. That would have been us, oh. yeah. Right. Right. That's right enough. Man. That's enough. Oh, geez. Now, that's, that's for another night. Right, will I leave now, Dan? That is. Um, on to <laughs> more pressing matters. And on to a very serious sport that Graham... Graham seems to think rugby only exists during the World Cup and during the Six Nations. And everything in between is just consequential. What's that about, huh? I don't know. <laughs> Patriotism. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, probably pages because I don't really support uh, club rugby. Mm. I've never have. I've, I've always uh, just watched international. My granddad's obsessed with rugby, so yeah. uh, ever since an early age, I'd always be just watching. But I think it is the, it the is, Six it Nations. Is. Well, what was it? The Tri Nations, Four Nations, Five, five, five Nations, Six yeah. Nations. But look, the other thing is, like when I was growing, like I'm 33, so when I was six, seven, eight, you watched Ireland, like yeah, you know. Yeah. I played mini rugby, but, you know, I was a ball boy for the senior team. I didn't have any comprehension of, like... And that was when it was, like, the clubs, like, you know, Black Rock, Sea Point, De- all that yeah, kind of like, stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's out, the provinces are only a new thing in the last... I mean, I know they've been playing with the professional players since the late 90s, but no, in terms of actually supporting them and, like, being in a fan club or buying... It's 10 years, tickets, isn't it? 10 years. Yeah. yeah. So there's no tradition of the, the casual sports fan. Like, if you're a big football fan or you're a big gaff fan, you'll probably watch Ireland and everything and you'll watch the Irish golfers and you'll you'll watch the Olympics and you'll cheer on anyone who's Irish, but... I don't know. It's, it's, well, the three of us went to Lawrence's and it wasn't a real rugby school, so to speak. Yeah. With the uh, exception of Stan Morton. Yeah, but that, w- that was way before our time. <laughs> yeah. He was rugby coach in the 80s, like. I was just joking, man. Now I'm right. to get factual about this. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus, man. Wow. Wasn't, this wasn't funny, you, man. You just Sorry. jumped in there. <laughs> just jumped straight in. Jumped. I'd watch yourself. But what was it? looking swallow these I know, days. I know, What <laughs> was it that, like, like, what was it that got, because you used to, I'm, I'm a rugby fan, casual mm. rugby fan, but you used to were quite obsessive. Um, what is it that got you into it if if the school wasn't really influential well I I played um, a friend of my dad's uh, had his son playing mini rugby down in Blackrock and dad brought me down when I was 
You were a great goalkeeper as well. I was, and then I stopped growing, Merrill. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so good hands. So I'm well suited for rugby. But um, and I'm much quicker than I look, which is great. Like cause people look at me and they go, oh, he, he won't be fast." And then so that that buys me a half a second, and then I have a genuine little yeah. burst of pace over See, about it's, six it's, meters. It's funny. Pe- <laughs> people say to me, "He won't be fast," and it's the right. <laughs> so, so I was also a goalkeeper. <laughs> Two yeah. goalkeepers following rugby. Yeah. Well, look, I played I played mini rugby up until I was about twelve, and then uh, I went to Lawrence's. There was no rugby, so I went down and played Ballybrack. And yeah. then when I was eighteen, I went to college over in England. I played rugby over there because oh, right. it wasn't a hope in hell I was going to play football. Over you went to Sunderland, didn't you? Yeah, because the level of football over there is like even the fifth team. Like the lads were. Like my way of like trying to stay fit was one of my housemates in second year was on the first team and all the first team lads played five aside on a Sunday night and it was like after your weekend of booze and this is your <laughs> this is the way to like make yourself sweat it out sweat it out and I'd barely touch the ball but I'd just be running around after people constantly like, you know, yeah. and it's just like indoor at the best of times I just haven't got the, I haven't got quick enough feet for it like I can't twist my feet that quickly put me on Astro or put me on a grass pitch grand <laughs> a little bit more time and space but those Sunday night sessions they were killer Jeez. I was just running around losing weight or losing water or whatever it was you know <laughs> probably still end up going out to the one pound of drink nights after <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> two drinks the Monday night yeah. drinking didn't help the Sunday yeah. night training did it no <laughs> but it was, yeah. it, was, it was it was brilliant and the other thing as well for me um Particularly going to college, it's a great game to make friends yeah. and socialise with. And, and then when I came home, um, just an old friend of mine then was playing for Wanderers and I went down and started playing for them. And I haven't played in about a year and a half just between getting married, buying a house, doing the Masters, all the rest. But, um, Growing up, as they say. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah but like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant social sport. Um, yeah. But also, there's something about it. And even in the modern game, you can still get little fellas. There's not as many little fellas. But you can still find a space for yeah. the fat lads, the small lads, the really gangly, lanky lads. And there's something unique to the game like for that. And it's, I know the IRFU and the provinces are doing everything they can. Never thought bring, of it like that. Yeah, mm. they, they, they're, they're trying to bring the game to all the non-traditional areas. And they've been doing yeah. that in places for 10, 15 years. Like Tala Rugby Club is a really strong yeah, it's rugby really club better, now. Yeah. Um, and it, look, it's, it's, I think for me, it's a, game, it's a game that teaches an awful lot about respect. And I've played guy, I've played football, I've played rugby, and just the one thing is the respect for the referee, no matter how crap he is, it's it's brilliant to see. And, and look, I've seen junior guy matches, and you know the treatment referees get, or even they get, you know, get a few digs or something yeah. in certain parts of the country. Look, so you're complimenting the players' behaviour towards the referee. Yeah. What about the players' behaviour to the players with eye gouging and fish hooks and? That doesn't, that doesn't really exist anymore. And even it's when it did, bad. you were talking about the French, South Africans. It's not happening a bit in know. club rugby. Well, it does and it does. I mean, the, the, the sort of main example you go to in the Irish context probably Alan Quinlan on Leo Cullen in the Heineken Cup semi final. Mm. Like, um, but but even not, then, that was like, yeah, he was trying to scratch his face. He wasn't deliberately trying to get at the eye, I don't think. <laughs> well, no, no, lads. <laughs> I know, well, Merrow. He's Mero. trying to scratch his face. No, but like Merrow, there, there is a dip. Like there, there's plenty of players out yeah. there who'll tell you, like playing France or playing South Africa, and guys getting their fingers in underneath eyelids, like in behind. Sure. You can feel fingers in yeah. their eyeballs and stuff. Shalk Berger and Luke Fitzgerald, and oh. was that the Lions tour? I think yeah. was it. Yeah, that was like a horrendous example of eye gouging. And yeah. If you look at that compared to 
I don't like as a Leinster fan. I was one of the people saying, "Oh, Alan Mitten's Quinlan." Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. If you look and at the two side by side, it's completely different. Anyway, like, I don't like this tone. He's going. Down. I know. This, I'm just this, this road of questioning. He's going down. He's calling you sorry, lads. Earlier. Sorry, lads. Sorry, lads. This, this, this is a fantastic weekend we had for Irish <laughs> rugby, <laughs> and you want to start talking about eye gouging from the eighties. Cheers, Meryl. From the eighties, Irish rugby is in a great place at the moment, man. It really, really is, and. Yeah, I think I think what Adam said there as well about the whole sort of respect towards the ref—that's a huge thing, man. Of course, it's, yeah, it's great. Like because even if you were watching a match, if you were watching, like there's, there's people I know who they couldn't name five rugby players, but they, they know who Nigel Owens is. Because yeah, yeah, very true. You see the this example. This is not soccer. <laughs> <laughs> you see the example there, and you see kind of guys going up to try and and, and protest or try and and he just no, I'm not having it. Away you go, and that's it, and it's still and play, they walk and away, yeah. Because you would spend so much time in football watching it, getting frustrated. It's like, just, he's not going to change his mind. Will he just stop? And yeah. then next minute, they get the yellow card, the yellow card for descent. Yeah, I, I was one. Like, I played schoolboy football all my life, and uh, Alan Knox, I would say. Knoxy. Knoxy. was up in the pub last he, night, he was. He booked me about 20 times in the space of a season because I used to give him abuse over any decision. I'm like definitely <laughs> sure he refereed one of our games wearing a pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Absolutely <laughs> definite about that. Yeah, and I remember, remember he'd say to people, oh, I'm referee, don't call me Noxie, all right, Noxie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, Shut I, up, Noxie, you I dope. Can't, I can't remember his, his second name, but Willie, he used to run the club shop in Ballybrack. Willie Davenport. And, and he, <laughs> he used to referee some very much. He's like, remember, lads, I'm not Willie out there. You know, about a 10 minutes in, he'd make a decision. Ah, oh, Willie, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't Willie Davenport. I don't know who the Willie you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Storm and Norman. Norman was it Norman Delaney? Oh, the redhead. Uh, oh no, that's Mark Delaney. Mark people. Delaney, yeah. There was a Norman, I can't remember. Mark Delaney was another. Mark Delaney hated it. Him he used to send us off, send somebody off for the bracket nearly every. We were like, yeah. you live across the road, man. What's yeah, the problem? <laughs> to prove that he's not. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Take takes a different breed to be a referee, like ah, and, definitely. And like, I suppose one of the things, and I suppose it goes back to Merrill's point about like he's not really following the club rugby, but you'd you'd follow Ireland, like. I can definitely see if you're just an average newcomer and you want to go and watch Leinster that like Leinster's changing and they're doing a huge amount to getting supporters mm. in from all around the province but you'll still see the old style element where you might go oh jeez it's a bit D4 or it's a bit this yeah. and yeah. that is changing but you're it's not it's never going to go away and what I'd say to some people is well spend the weekend in Galway go to a Connacht match Mm. And spend time with the people there. You know, like they, they're just mad. Like they're yeah. just they're really passionate for the team. Um, Munster, they've become a bit fair weather. The fans down there, Ulster, they're that's the Republic of Ulster up there. <laughs> Jesus, they are they are something else. Like you know, yeah. they. It's funny. Like whenever any of the players have been one, I remember Stephen Ferris. This was two thousand nine September. They were playing Munster and I went up for the game. And it was just after the Lions tour had been that summer. And when they were announcing the team, they announced Stephen Ferris. And he goes, and British and Irish Lions, Stephen <laughs> Ferris. You know, and screaming the word British, you know, the way. But yeah. like, it, it, a bit of crack, you know, at the same time. Like, all the fan bases, they, they have their, their identity and their cultures, you know, the way. And there is a spot there for everyone. But, like... If it's not your if it's not your cup of tea, just because you're Dublin doesn't mean you can't go to Galway and enjoy a game. Yeah. And likewise, you know, if you get a good weekend where Leinster play a big game in the Aviva, and if you get to lose or Claremont or someone coming along, the French fans are unbelievable. Yeah, you know, you have a bit of crack, and it's um, look. Not every game is for everyone, but um, I certainly think like what what the Irish rugby team have done, particularly I suppose in a decade where the soccer team really struggled. Yeah, um, I think they gave the country an awful they lot. Adva- to be they took happy advantage. About. 
I wouldn't say took advantage. No, sorry, Graham. they did take advantage. But my God, no, no, come that's on, the wrong. Sorry, come on, Graham. The Irish public aren't some drunk female <laughs> teenager like <laughs> down the back of the disco. What I meant by that is that like they, they capitalized. capitalized. Sorry, man. they capitalized. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with a lot of what you said. Like, I've been going to Leinster matches since the sort of rainy days in Donnybrook, you know what I mean? And the changes that you've seen. And there still is a D4 element, like, in this whole D fortress thing and all this sort of yeah. silliness. That, that is funny, it, though. Yeah, it is. If, if you're willing to laugh at it. But then yeah. that, that group take it very seriously, yeah, too. Yeah, well, you know? that's... Um, but, yeah, like, the, the only thing, just when you said it there, like, a big Leinster game in, in the Aviva, the Leinster-Munster matches in the Aviva sometimes can be great as well, but I hate... And I don't know if, if you would agree with me on this, but this kind of fake atmosphere building that they do with the Aviva, um, where they, like, they've had cheerleaders, they've had pyro, they've well, had... The, the a, last one was horrific, right? Somebody had what a swing was, band or something. They had it? a band playing at the back of one of the stands, right? But it was supposed to be sort of like pre-match entertainment, but all of a sudden they were being allowed, like, you know, come on, you boys in blue, and all yeah, this, and they yeah. sounded they sounded like a prepubescent version <laughs> of the Thrills. It was awful. Right? <laughs> and they were fairly girly sounding, those boys, anyway, you know? Yeah. The, th- the Thrills. Yeah, yeah they were. They blast in the past. Big, big um, But they were, they, and I talked to somebody fairly high-ranking walking out of Leinster then a couple of weeks later, and I said, here, who made that decision? And he goes... They're close to being fired was the answer. No way. <laughs> and, and there is sometimes, and, and, and the RFU have got it wrong a couple of times, Leinster have got yeah, it wrong a couple of yeah. times, because you do need to let the, the atmosphere, and like I still get the bejesus scared out of me, because the press box is quite close to the rafters. So at Six Nations games, you know the fireworks go off yeah. when the teams come out, but also after the, the, the anthems and all the rest. So, but you forget after the anthems, and you're just settling down, and then boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like, I don't. I don't. I, I said the only thing I like is the uh, the flames that go up. Yeah, you know those things. Yeah, I think yeah. they just add a little bit to the to the drama, the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's good watching. Yeah, it's it's from TV as well. You don't need. You don't need to look. Let people decide themselves. You know. Yeah. And look. Yeah. Not everyone's going to go and sing, but that's the same in nearly every sport. Like, it's it's not. not you can't have everywhere like Bucket Juniors. Lads, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I, I think we were playing Claire. It was one of the, 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 the traditional Christmas European fixture um, that they have in, in the Aviva. And I think they were playing Claremont. And at half time, they had like Santi coming down from like oh, on this rafters, wire yeah. and a big, huge blue. A blue Santi. Yeah, it was way. a blue Santi. Yeah, and, and girls dancing and all. And you were like, what? Is it? I can't remember what song it was that they had playing, but they had changed the words but they had done it in the cheapest way possible in the sense that it was the proper song, but they had just took out one of the words in the chorus and replaced it with Leinster. Yeah. And it's killing me, I can't remember the song, but I remember the time going, ah, lads, come on. But <laughs> is this what my season ticket's for? Like, come on, like. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's all about knowing what your culture is as well. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you go to the Stade de France and, and you'd see, um, you see Stade Francais have a couple of games a year there, yeah. and, you know, their old owner as well, he was mad for, like, a big carnival thing. And they'd have elephants coming on. They'd have women dressed in, like, you know, leopard skin things, with, you know, maybe only half covered the, the top <laughs> half of them and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and they'd have can-can dancers and, like, mad yeah. music. But it was the French, and they loved it. And everyone paid a five or a head in. They got 80,000 people in. They had, one of the, they had a big game on, and it was just French, and it was crack, and it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, for us, I don't know, like, you know, 
the, I tell you the best the best fun I've seen in terms of having an atmosphere. Connacht have uh, a local radio DJ who does their team announcements and all that sort of stuff on the pitch. But he gets young fellas out of the crowd or like the mascots and he interviews them on the pitch and he just has such a laugh with them. And then they'll have like a kicking competition or something yeah. at half time and he gets the crowd going. But he's real genuine. He doesn't come across as forced. Whereas, you know, the, the fella at the RDS is a bit, you know, he's a bit theatrical as well. And, yeah, yeah. But look, it, it, these things take their time. As again, you have to remember, look, they're all 20 years old. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Like it's, it, and they don't have the traditions necessarily other than silence for the kicker. Mm. Yeah, you know? and even that's starting to fade a little bit. Every sort of year I'm noticing a little bit more and more of the people having to say shh, shh yeah. before it. Um, the French thing is, your man, oh, the, the Toulon guy that shouts before they come on the pitch. Oh, he's brilliant, isn't he's he? He's amazing. I did an article on him last year. I can't know his name, but he's mental. He's tattoos all over the place. And the the... It's a it's a French version of like a New Zealand yeah, chant yeah. or something, and but it's about the Toulon people coming down from the hills of Toulon to like you know run down to the seaside and beat the you know what <laughs> out of whoever's coming across on the boats and things like that. But like your man is like he's he's royalty in Toulon. Oh, stop! Yeah. But he's a headbanger, like but yeah. he's like that stuff. And and at the Toulon Stadium, it's real small and like vertical, and they're just they're wired. And your man's in the middle of them all with his megaphone. Going mad like it's, no look. And then the newspapers go on the air when they think they've won. That's great as well. I, lo- I actually yeah. love French rugby for that sort of stuff. Like, it's like, just could bananas. You, could like. you imagine somebody doing that here? They're like, here, get out of <laughs> yeah, that, will you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Move your man to the megaphone. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> Some chap coming down from That's the hills. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Some chap coming down from the hills in Cork making his way to Tommond. Yeah. <laughs> going on a mad one for the Munster match. What's the job um, of the newspapers? Though? What's uh, that all about? Toulon have this thing when, um, when basically if they score and their fans have decided... That that's the, they're not coming back. That's it. There's no turning back for the other team, especially in big matches. Yeah. They do. They start throwing the newspapers. They just up tear in the up air bits of newspaper and, and start just lobbing up in the air. Really? Yeah. yeah. A bit like the Real Madrid fans when they want to get rid of the manager and they pick the boy hankies out. You know, <laughs> is that what they do? Real Madrid yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, just just a continental thing. Yeah. Um, the French are mental. I, I went to see. Uh, I was over that's in Paris and I went to see Stade Francais play Claremont, and I was sitting like a couple of rows back from the Claremont fans, and it was just bananas. Like it was just the noise they were making. But, like, I didn't understand a word about what they were chanting, obviously. Yeah. But, like, just the crack was unreal. It's like, if Irish rugby could bottle this and somehow get it into every game, yeah. it would just be... Because it but, wasn't, like... Yeah, like, I, I think the great thing about Connacht's story this year is now it means Connacht are so relevant. So, yeah. when Connacht come to play all the other teams... And, and like, the Irish derbies, they do produce... Um, good atmospheres. I think the problem with some of them are they, they don't always work. The Christmas time ones are good... And they'll always be Christmas times ones because they don't want to have teams to travel over to Wales yeah. or Scotland on Stephen's Day or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it could be freezing cold, it could be lashing rain. It doesn't always lend itself to creating a sparkling atmosphere. Sports ground, yeah. yeah, but in Edinburgh for the Leinster Connacht final, like the streets were jammed, the sun was shining, and they got about thirty five thousand in the stadium. Yeah. You know, and like again, social media. We're going back to like sharing the scenes. You just go onto Twitter or something, just type in Connacht Murrayfield or Connacht. Uh, bus or anything like that and all the Connacht fans congregated around the gate there's a gate just opposite Murrayfield and then you have the stadium and then 20 yards you have a gate that goes all the way around it the fans yeah. are on the other side of the gate and the bus pulls up and they're all singing the fields of Athenry and the players all come off the bus and you'll see it in some of the videos and, and things like that like the, some of the players are crying 
And Pat Lamb said afterwards, he goes, you know, look, I because re- Pat Lamb said, look, I was getting a bit choked up. Yeah. And he goes, I, I'd been working really hard that morning to keep them all on Calm. an even emotional keel. And he said, we went into the dressing room and I just went, right, lads, okay. I realise what's just happened here. Let's just take a minute. Let's take a moment. Just breathe it in and let's reset and refocus and go out there and, and don't let this overwhelm you. You know, yeah. but they they made brilliant noise. They were singing songs, and as I like to wind up, you know, Munster people, this is that the fields of Athenry have rightly <laughs> been reclaimed to their, you know, to their, old, their owners. Athenry Galway. But um, yeah, look, it's it's brilliant when you get those things, and you know, like one of the best atmospheres I've ever been at was the Ireland New Zealand game uh, three years ago. I'm now. not over that. that. I'm not over that. Don't bring it up. I'm not you over know, it. it's it, heartbreaking. But it, but it just it was so incredible the noise yeah. and the feeling and, and it's when you're in a place and you can feel the emotion like people you know I'm watching the, the Ireland Sweden game yesterday and, and you can see it's almost like a celebration and a party mm. and I know it ends one all but nobody's devastated by it or whatever yeah. but when it comes down to a game that we're either going to have to win or have to draw and it's on a knife edge that's when you'll feel the pulse of the emotion of everybody in the stadium everyone's sporting Ireland and, and like those those events are that was the first time they're unique as well that was the first time the new Lansdowne, I felt an atmosphere at it. Yeah. Um, the first time. And then I mm. thought Ireland, Germany actually beat that. Yeah. Uh, Ireland, the All Blacks. Um, but the two of them were on a par. And they were the only two games that I felt, right, now this, is, this Lansdowne can actually create noise. Because up yeah. until that point, I was thinking, this stadium's a load of crap. I, For I, atmosphere. I quite like the new Aviva, to be honest. Oh, like, I love I, it. Like. I, I, I miss the old Lansdowne just for the, the sort of the nostalgia of it yeah, all yeah but the atmosphere of the old Lansdowne was amazing <laughs> but uh, it did I had something special about the atmosphere mm. I'll give you that um, we're moving along a bit anyway because it has been the, the last week and a half in particular or well no even a little before going back to Connacht winning the, the Pro 12 which is absolutely brilliant yeah it's incredible like the, the province that they were talking about scrapping not so long ago yeah really, waste you know? of money according to the IRFU and then they go and do that and upset everybody who was kind of thinking, yeah, well, scrap them. Like, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But a man who's involved with the Connacht Academy is currently leading the under-20s. Nigel Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nigel Carolyn came in there about two years ago after um, after Mike Ruddock, who's obviously Reese Ruddock's dad yeah. and had uh, coached Wales to a Grand Slam in 2005. And uh, so Mike had done a really good job there. But when David Nusifora, who's the high performance manager who's come in in the last couple of years to the IRFU, he just wanted to get a lot of structures together. So Mike's other job is he's coach at Lansdowne. Yeah. But I think the IRFU just wants to go a different direction where they had an academy coach involved with the 20s or whatever. Um, and it's funny, like watching the 20s games in the Six Nations this year, they'd won an incredible game against England. They were 26 down at half time, and I think they won 26 20. In the second, you know, and, second, yeah. and it's just, it was phenomenal. They did the same thing against Wales there. 70 and nil down. You know, yeah. they were down, they came back. And this is not a vintage, like, this, like people, people probably murder me for saying this, this is not a vintage crop of under-20s. And in the Six Nations in particular, like, they were just, there was a lot of basic stuff. They were either too narrow, they were passing when they shouldn't, and then sometimes when they were passing, the handling skills weren't quite there. And, and they just, they weren't as cohesive um, yeah. all the time. To- or sorry, they weren't fluid in their play. But in this championship now, they've looked really good. And there's a couple of players there. Bill Johnson, who obviously went off because he did his shoulder in again. Yeah. Like that guy is, I think he's still 18. He's going to turn 19 soon enough. No, he started the season, he was 18. Now he's 19. 
he is going to be a super player, a little tipperary lad. And like Munster played him in a preseason friendly at the start of the season. Now at 18 to put him in with senior players yeah. at out half and he's got to tell them what to do and you don't argue with him because he's the out half. And so for the coaches to know, he'd have the respect of the players because of his ability. Um, it just like he's, he's a huge one for the future. Uh, but the, the guy you really want to watch is James Ryan, the captain. He is about six foot seven. He's 19. He was already playing Leinster A. He's a second row. We are crying out for second rows. Ian Henderson, thankfully, has yeah. come through. Ulton Delan's good. But we're producing a lot of these guys who are 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. You know, we really want a, a guy who's a bit towering, 6'7", six, 6'8". Seven, six, yeah. But I've been watching um, Ryan for a couple of years. Incredibly athletic for a second row. And these guys are supposed to be traditionally like, you know, the mummy. They're walking around. They can't twist. They can't, mm. you know, they can't run, whatever. This guy is an athlete. And I think one of the, one of the wingers made a break against New Zealand. And it was just a quick turnover and all of a sudden he legs it, you know, 70 yards up the pitch and he eventually gets hauled down by two New Zealand players and the first guy to smash the rook and stop your man getting turned over was James Ryan. He had just put the head down and ran as hard and as fast as he could and, you know, I think, I don't know if Ireland got a bit a few points out of it in the end but, like, I was like, that's phenomenal. and, And some guys when they're captains, like, they think, I have to do everything and that can take away from your game because sometimes you don't have to do everything but, like, this guy is a he's a super player, and um, I think there's one or two others as well. There's one of the the front rows, um, Porter as well. He looks like a second coming of Keane Healy. He's just a massive <laughs> man who moves very, very quickly. What type of contracts are these under twenties on at the moment? Uh, well, it depends. Like if you're sub academy or academy, you now a lot of them would be academy. And up until recently, the average academy contract probably about five grand a year. So you're living at home and you're. You know, or you're getting maybe if you're a new CD or one of the colleges, you're getting a scholarship and maybe they're getting the accommodation or something. But Arupa, who are the players' union now, I think they've managed to get that up to a basic, I think, 15,000. Um, and then after that, you're talking about you know, you get a development contract, you're talking about 40 to 60 grand on a development then, contract, yeah. Wow. And, then, and then when you're it's decent enough, isn't it? Yeah, and then when you're a senior, it'll go anything yeah. from 70, yeah. 80, 90. You know, like the average the, player is probably earning six figures and the average international is probably earning around 200, 250 plus maybe. A, a developmental contract, it's, it's good and it, it's good that they're getting that money but you have to remember as well that much like when we were talking to Alan, Ger- er, sorry, Alan Gernon last week about um, footballers retiring, not everybody in that developmental contract is going to get there okay. and some of them are unfortunately going to have to stop because of injury like so having even a year with that money like, mm. you know, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, but um, the, the, there is a sign of some players coming through, which is and the second row in particular, as you said, yeah. that's an area that we really, really need people. Yeah, and, it, and it, look, it's funny because I, I knew we'd end up talking about this, and I just went back over the the twenties team from two thousand seven that won a grand slam. Yeah. Fifteen of those lads went on to get full contracts and at least play professionally. You know, some of them didn't get a second one; they'd retire early or whatever. Keen Healy, Keith Earls, yeah. Ian Keatley, um, Felix Jones. Darren Cave, like there's there's a load of these guys all went on to like play for Ireland and, and that like so that was an incredible crop. Yeah. It doesn't always happen like that, which kind of makes their achievement of beating a New Zealand team just and, and they beat them deservedly as well. Oh, yeah, it was, you know? it was absolutely and it's almost a pity that the senior team then went on and beat South Africa yeah, on the same yeah. day because you know it, it overshadowed. Look, yeah. <laughs> we will look back on it and go, geez, what a what a brilliant day that was for Irish rugby. But I mean it can't, I was I was on the phone talking to Hugh Farley of the Irish Daily Mail at halftime. 
and Ireland were up by three points against South Africa, 14 men. Yeah. And we were like then, if they Th- draw 13 this match, men at that stage, yeah? Yeah. I said, if they draw this match, this is possibly one of the greatest results that doesn't get you a trophy in Irish rugby. Yeah. And then they go and win the bloody thing. It was amazing. I, I was shouting at me telly at the end of it and everything. Like, it was just... Graham maintains that it's a, fr- <laughs> it's a friendly. It doesn't count for anything. It's just a friendly. It's it's a summer test series, Graham. <laughs> it's a summer test series. Yeah, yeah. Um, friendly man. Yeah, South summer Africans don't friendly series. South Africans, New Zealanders, they don't they, do friendly. Yeah, you know. yeah, they don't. They really don't. Like you've got some. Like actually, Ed's the bet I thought had one of the quietest games I've ever seen him. He did. Yeah, when he wasn't on. trying to decapitate people at rooks <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly, yeah. He is a beast of. A so what happened to CJ Stander? Because I missed the game. Yeah, this is the talking point, isn't it? Be- beyond the result, obviously. Where well, where do you stand on this, Adam? I thought it was a disgraceful call. And I okay. thought it was a disgraceful call by a referee playing, you know, refereeing his first game at international rugby and mm. just, you know, wanting to make a statement and, and this kind of thing. Look, you know, people... The referee pe- wanted to make a statement. Do you feel that hard on, hard on it? Yeah, I thought, uh, like, you know, put it this way, and Joe Schmidt said publicly afterwards he thought it was very, very harsh what he would have been saying privately would have yeah. been even, you know, would have been absolutely caustic, I'd say. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want to see the referee's report on that. But at the end of the day, and there's a lot of people, I don't know whether it's people who are new to rugby sometimes or just people who want to, like, make a statement in the media and this kind of thing. But, you know, this is a contact sport played yeah. by men who know what's going on, who are Sports science has brought them to the fittest, fastest, strongest they can possibly be. CJ Stander is trying to make a play for his team for his new adopted country. And he misses out by like three inches. Now, if Pat Lambie is half a foot taller, that collision happens in the chest. But Pat Lambie is quite a small guy by international yeah. rugby standards. So Stander twists his body and his hip connects with, with Lambie's face. And at the speed he's moving at, look, he's going to get knocked out. But, you know, what you want him to do, maybe stay straight and hit him with his kneecap instead and smash his jaw to pieces as well. Like, th- there's nothing you can do there and there's, there's no intent but conversely, Robbie Henshaw gets a yellow card just before half time for what was reckless. He put his shoulder into somebody's jaw, yeah. making a tackle, and that was the yellow card. And for me, if you were to show me two instances and say one of these is a red card, pick it, I'd be like Henshaw. Henshaw. I, I do agree, and, and even when I was watching it, and I, I was baffled by the fact that he gave a red. I, like I was thinking, yeah. it's a yellow. It's all right. We'll survive the next ten minutes. It'll be grand. And then I could hear them talking to TMO saying, "I'm I'm thinking red." I was like, he's not actually going to choose a red here, is he? But then, to play the devil's advocate on it, this whole duty of care thing, I'd be agreeing with you that you're watching in real time, you see Stander, he's making a genuine attempt to charge down the ball. If he charges that ball down and makes the same contact, it's not going to even be a penalty. It's an an incident that happens on the pitch. It it just happens. but the, the duty of care thing is what people are saying, and it's reckless. And where do you stand on that? Like the duty of care thing for me, and having played the game, is you know you 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 never put a fella's head, eyes, or neck at risk. Those yeah. are just the things you just you do everything you can not to. Um, you know, if you break a fella's ribs, like you know, <laughs> shit happens. Like, so do you know weird. what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying you're going out with intent, but like you look the way guys legally hit rooks sometimes, and they fly in, they oh, try, stop, and yeah. they're trying to catch someone because they're, what they're trying to say to you is, you don't go back in there, you don't yeah. do that. Like this, and and this is a lot of people just don't get. Like it's it's a it's a mental and physical war of attrition. 
like it's and, and you're doing it under certain regulations and rules for 80 minutes it's not like you're out on the side of the street and it's like I'm going to give your man a smack and it'll all yeah. be over it's like you've got to find all these ways to intimidate or overpower and, and just you know wear these guys across the field from you because it's in rugby you're looking across at the other team all the time you know and, and it's about saying look you start doubting yourself and we're and once you doubt yourself we'll come into the ascendancy in terms of Judy care if a guy's in the air that's immediately that's yeah. I think that's where guys have to be really careful because you've either got to genuinely challenge because if somebody's up in the air you know and you're clumsy or you're mistimed in any way that guy could break his neck and yeah. not as simple as and the other thing that they clamped down on recently as well was the tip tackles Yeah, and that you know look again we saw it happen Brian O'Driscoll in the Lions in 2005 I mean you know if that had happened last week the lads had been banned the lads had been sent off yeah. you know you wouldn't get away with that sadly for Brian O'Driscoll you know he had to wait <laughs> 10 years to see that kind of stuff come to it but yeah, yeah absolutely but I suppose it's you know, do unto others as you would do unto yourself. And if you're in a fight, what's acceptable, what's yeah. not acceptable, See, I don't like, know. <laughs> it, 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 like, it, it's kind of interesting, like, because if you flip it around and you look at it, was it maybe two years ago, I think, there was an incident. Paul O'Connell kicked Dave Kearney in the head. Completely accidental. Yeah. It was O'Connell just running, trying to get onto the ball yeah. to kick yeah, the ball. Yeah, I remember that. Like, I would class that almost in the same way I'd class the standard incident. Only I would say O'Connell was maybe a little bit more reckless. Yeah, and, and look, this comes back to, like, I mean, I'm sure you've got the highest paid lawyers in the world trying to mm. prove intent in murder cases and all this sort of stuff. Like, And, you know, as, as amateur sports people or fans or officials and all the rest, like, it's very hard to prove. You can see what looks like intent. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between careless and reckless? What's the difference between clumsy and reckless? That's what you're trying to define. That particular incident, the Paul O'Connell, Dave Kearney one, I think for me, I think it was... I think it was reckless because yeah. I think he was trying to play the ball and I've no doubt, I know Paul, I, like I've spoke with Paul O'Connell, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, he's in a tremendous character. Um, is he trying to do that with the intent of kicking Dave Kearney in the head? Absolutely not. Is he trying to make a play? Yes. But if he does that and he makes a mistake, which is what happened, and he kicks mm. Dave Kearney in the head, then you need to say that's not allowed and you have to make sure that any other player who thinks about doing that in the future thinks twice. Yeah. But by not punishing him, then you're saying you're kind of leaving a grey area in the future and say, well, someone else could get kicked in the head. Mm. So, yeah, look, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, these these incidents, you know, when you're saying, has he got intent? Well, you can't 100% say somebody yeah. has intent. But you can just say, look, we don't want to see this happen again. Going back to CJ Stander, look, he's tried, he's burst his balls to make an honest play and you know such as like international rugby is so quick so fast so everything and you know your man he played with the fella uh, Lambie on the South African under 20s yeah. and I think he appeared at the hearing and all to say look it wasn't his fault all yeah. the rest of it but what time is the second friendly at? 4 it's o'clock Saturday 4 o'clock so you go 2 o'clock with the football 4 yeah. o'clock non-stop be an emotional <laughs> roll can you imagine Ireland beat the Belgians and then we beat South Africa and win a test series in South Africa yeah I mean like that, it's like this is one thing Like I need to put it in perspective because like, I'm sure a lot of people listening like don't really watch a lot of rugby or whatever yeah. but it's only France the Lions and New Zealand have ever won a test series in South Africa it's we huge. hadn't won a test game against South Africa New Zealand um, or Australia like away from home not including the World Cup when we beat the Aussies yeah. uh, 
we hadn't done it since the 70s when we played a really crap Aussie team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't happen. And a lot of the teams... It was the know, first time we've ever beaten South Africa it, on South African soil. Yeah. And, mm. like, it's, like, the South Africans are... Like, we're talking Not about Not only beat them, come back. Yeah. <laughs> but you talk about how proud we are as a nation. Like, like South, rugby in South Africa to a certain part of the population, that is, that is their religion. Like, that yeah. defines South Africa for them, you know, the way. And to beat them on their own, like... like Feel sorry for some of the lads because not only on Saturday they're going to be playing at altitude, which means they'll be breathing out their arse after about <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> but they're going to have 15, yeah. 15 rather large men uh, who want to pummel the absolute Jesus out of them. And that, and trust, trust me, yeah. the, like there they they was talk about this, about South Africa going to play a little bit more expansive, all the rest of it. They're going to make sure they don't lose this series and it'll be total and utter warfare on Saturday. There's a... <laughs> made of mine from college actually and uh, just to, to emphasise how serious the, the whole rugby thing is over there um, quite a religious bloke and all that and he was like there's only there's only two photos above Jesus in my house it's <laughs> Victor Matfield and Becky's Bota <laughs> and that was it like he was like that's the, the most saffron thing I've ever heard he <laughs> <laughs> was like them, them two are above and that's it and there's nothing in between and then he started showing me pictures of Becky's kids and he was like he spawned this is it yeah. this is the next wave it's crazy like they, they are a different breed over there I, I want to try and perk Merlo's enthusiasm if he's got any okay. right, <laughs> right. Uh, Irish player name one Irish player you'd like to go for a point with right. off the rugby team um, retired or playing retired or playing yeah one current one retired oh good one Kane Healy why um, I follow him on Twitter and we have a lot of the same likes. Um, retired Drico. Yeah. Yeah, Drico's a legend, man. I loved him. I'm, I'm quite depressed he's retired and he's no longer playing. And I think that's where my love has kind of just... Dwindled? Dis- yeah, dwindled a bit. You need someone to come in and sweep you off your feet. Again, yeah, exactly. You? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You just keep your eye on Gary Ringrose, man. I need you, someone... You just keep your eye on Gary Ringrose. Because I always compare Drico to Roy Keane, you know. The, Midfield Warriors. Yeah, I felt <laughs> that they had the, the same kind of mentality, the winning mentality. I just... I think someone's missing Roy Keane in the football team and also the rugby team at the moment. Yeah, and it, you know, it's funny, like, it's, it's funny when, when you say that because, like... As a kid, I like I was mad. Like I'd go to the school, I get school by tickets for Ireland for rugby and and football. But I was just mad into the football because there was more of it. Like do you know mm. the way, and Roy Keane was my hero as a kid. Him and Simon Gagan, but Simon Gagan was blonde haired and played rugby on the wing. So I was like, yeah, that's grand. He looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> He's also bald like me now as well. So funny how that all turned out. Um, but when the whole Saipan thing happened, like that really soured me you know, with with the football team for a while. Yeah. Like, I still would go to games and stuff, but I think for yeah. a lot of people, it just caused this sort of, I, I think it was a wound that took an awful, no matter what side of the divide you were on, it just soured a lot of people for quite a while. And then the team performances started to Dwindle fall away. But they fell away and you were looking at teams and you could accuse them of not being passionate enough. And then you were saying, well, oh, Roy Keane this, and, you know, Roy Keane would have done that. And, and it just... There was a while there, and that's why I think that 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 was still going on until the day he retired from club football. Yeah, completely. Because I remember after Saipan when uh, we were playing against Switzerland at home, I think, and we were losing, but there was this uh, kind of chant of Kino, but it wasn't the the usual Kino. It was yeah. real, like Kino. It was real. Yeah, it was a weird time that that Drama. game because then it was the first time McCarthy's job was questioned. 
And we need we like we need these characters Big in our team yeah. and, and like in the sport. rugby team, the rugby team right now. Like there's there's an, like there's an awful lot of like I, I I deal with a lot of them and to be honest with you, I can't really say a bad word about. There's maybe one or two I'd say look wouldn't be my cup of tea. Mm. Yeah, but like really good lads and just. I know what you're saying, Meryl. You're looking for that fella who's just like, ah, oh, look yeah. at him. He's brilliant. The, the he can powers. do it all. Well, O'Connell was and like that. Uh, O'Connell was exactly like. Yeah. But you see, you're, you're talking there about kind of those almost once in a generation. We just yeah, absolutely. In the sense that yeah, you had the likes of O'Gara, O'Driscoll, and O'Connell overlapping. But those kind of talisman, those prolific kind of, yeah, you, you don't tend to get them all that often. No, because like. when he when he was named captain after Drico, I was like, what? He doesn't get you going. He's yeah, a great I, player, though. I, I know, was, it, it, he's a great player, though. Yeah, and I tell you, he was. That was on um, on Saturday. Like I watched the game again on Sunday, yeah. and I watched. Um, I just kept notes on himself, Rory Best, Connor Murray, and Jared Payne, and you know I was kind of keeping little stats. And the yeah. amount of different stats I wrote down for Jamie Heaston. Oh, he's unreal. Like, do you know the heat the hits maps? And all. The heat maps they do for, um, yeah, yeah. for football, for where you pass. They should do a heat map for like wherever you were in a collision on a rugby pitch. Yeah. And Heaston would have the whole... Like he was... He had 17 tackles or something on Saturday. He but, yeah, didn't miss a single one. But neither did Rory Best and neither did Conor Murray. Yeah. Conor Murray was outstanding. And fairness to Paddy Jackson. Paddy Jackson got a lot of work done. Yeah. And that... Uh, I know people are going to look at it and kind of say, well, oh, yeah, the intercept for the South Africa Troy, or he missed that drop goal. But, and maybe we'd be talking about those points more had South Africa gone on to win. But the work that Jackson got done, I thought, for the dude who was brought in to replace Johnny Sexton on, what, a week and a half's notice? Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Like. And Devin Toner as well. Like, I was joking for him. Like, Love Dev. Dad passed away a couple of days yeah. before the, the, the Pro 12 final. And, like, I suppose the thing with Devin, Devin Toner is taking a lot of work to get him able to play with the body that he has because yeah. like he's so tall isn't he's he? so tall but like he's he's gangly by nature like he's had to like he's even talked about like he's had to like force himself to eat and do all these things just to put on the weight he has whereas Richie Gray at Scotland he's the exact same height yeah. but he's naturally buff, buff. or maybe he does is there anyone in the under 20s like <laughs> Dev Toner um, like as tall or Ryan would be the closest thing yeah. they list him at 6'8 but I, I think he's 6'7 <laughs> But like he's he's nineteen years of age, so yeah. he'll six, keep growing. <laughs> six, seven, and nineteen years of age. Yeah. Oh my god! Like the Undertaker. Yeah, I think the one who might capture your heart soon enough would be Robbie Henshaw. Yeah, I like Robbie Henshaw yeah. so far. He's a bit of flash, but like he's he gets the job done. But he's a big, fierce boy, like yeah. as well. He can like he can smash in a tackle. He can smash through fellas when he's carrying the carrying the ball. It was great sitting. He's wearing Draco's number thirteen jersey yeah, there yeah. on Saturday. And he had shown off he's a bit of a passing game going yeah. now as well. Um, I have a bit of a soft spot for McCluskey, actually. I don't think he gets the, the enough recognition. And I don't know if it's just because... I, I, love, I love Conor Murray. I don't know if it's just because I've seen maybe two games where McCluskey had an absolute blind there. And I was like, yeah. yeah, I like him. I like him. I just I would have loved to have seen him on this tour, yeah. for me, honestly. Like, and I like... Do you know, I think a lot of people as well are warmed Ulton to land because he looks like yes. this big... Again, he kind of like he's not as big as Devon Toner, but he's got this gangly look to him. Mm, but yeah. Jesus, he runs through, fella. Do you see him smashing Dave Carney oh, in the Pro 12? Foot? Now, second rolls should always smash wingers, but yeah. still. Yeah, but, still yeah. but no, but there's a lot of lads that I love. I love Sean O'Brien, I love Sebo. Yeah. Um, Sean O'Brien's an animal. Sebo, uh, Murray. Um, Heaslip, I think, is a great player, but there's something about him that just I, rubs me up the wrong way. I think Heaslip gets an awful time. Love Healy. I, I think it's. I don't know if it's just this kind of Leinster bias or, or rather an anti-Leinster sentiment rather from 
you know, particularly the Monster Brigade. I'm not sure if there's. I think, and I suppose I, he burned eight thousand calories in one match, didn't he? Before who? Uh, he slipped. He Did was he? on. He was on off the ball saying how many calories he loses. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, wouldn't and it was it was eight thousand calories in a match, and then in a training session it was like three and a half or something. He's made out of that stuff. Wolverine's made out of. He's man. an animal, he, adamantian or whatever you call it. He's <laughs> just like he slipped. He's just well. I say, do you know, ridiculous. The, like he's. I remember talking to this about him four or five years ago, and he said, like his dad was in the army. Yeah, that's why he was actually born in Israel. Yeah. And um, but his dad relax, was, relax, calm down. <laughs> Relax. No wonder I don't like him. You didn't think he was <laughs> yeah. pro-Israel. <laughs> Just he was born there. But Jesus. he said his dad was always, you know, like, because you work, you work as an officer in the army, like, you, you yeah. know, you're doing a lot of physical stuff all the time and you're on the go. He said his dad never got nicked up. And whatever it is, just as good genes and... But the other thing is, like, he'll, like he, he won't share many of his secrets. You have to talk yeah. to the other players and say, what's Jamie up to at the moment? What's he doing? What's he looking to do for an edge? Like, he'll do loads of stuff where he won't have caffeine at the start of the week, but he'll maybe let it build up the day before the match and then have loads on the day of the match. Like, he, he'll drink cold green tea all the time. He finds, like, he'll sleep in an air tent if he has to. Yeah. He does everything he can to get, like, a half percent better recovery or whatever it is. And you add that on to a guy who's quite robust genetically. Um, he'd want to he's on the biggest contract out of him isn't he well yeah there you go <laughs> yeah. nail on the head yeah. there Mr. Merrigan yeah <laughs> so but well, I mean, yeah. because there's a lot of these lads now some of his restaurants aren't wheelchair accessible maybe that's why I have yeah, a gripe against be, him yeah. that is not that is not on no yeah, we'll have to have a word we will oh yeah I remember at the World Cup last year um, I was staying in the Hilton opposite Wembley where the team were staying as well and uh, we were told like, they were rooftop barn and we were told lads it's closed off Closed off for a prior function. We were like, that's what we're saying. We know this, right? So we chanced arm, hopped in the lift, got up, and just by chance, rather than being security when the door opened, it was Joe Schmidt, Johnny Sexton, uh, Sean O'Brien, Connor Murray, and I think it was, was it Peter O'Mantney as well? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Love Peter O'Mantney as well. Yeah, Peter O'Mantney. I can't wait to see him back. Um, Sean O'Brien, Johnny Sexton, Joe Schmidt get back in the lift. We're going down. Schmidt hops off at one floor. Sex not the next one. And it's just myself, my brother, and Sean O'Brien in. And you're like, gone uh, out celebrating, so I wasn't. He was like, no, no, I'm sure Jamie's already in the room recovering, so we all have to follow his lead. So this <laughs> 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 sums it up like totally. Yeah. So even that, like, you could tell there was a little bit of a long enough I would kill for a couple of points tonight. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But, yeah. But it was just kind of even something so small as that. Like, fair enough, it was only Romania we'd play that day, but. Still, it was now recovery and on to the next one, like you know. Yeah, and it's it's like, geez, for these lads this year. I mean, like the if you're Jamie Heaslip, you started pre-season training for the World Cup in June of last year, and yeah. you're going to be playing for another two weeks like that. Like this guy, I, I was doing stats because the editor was like, "Look here, Sean O'Brien and Keane Healy are falling apart. <laughs> can we can, can we can we get some stats in the last couple of years about you know how many games they've missed yeah, or whatever?" It's kind of a fair point. Too. And I was like, "Well, the best way is to stack them up against Jack McGrath." who is the best value rugby player in the world. Absolutely low Jack Front McGrath. row who plays 80 minutes all the time, makes his tackles, carries dirty crap ball that gets him more bruises than he gets credit for, all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and also he slips. So you could compare O'Brien to, to, to he slip and, and, and Healy to, to McGrath. But like McGrath's played, this is his outstanding, in the last 87 games that McGrath would have been expected to play, not rested or any of those things, he was available for all 87. And he would have played 90, but for he was suspended for three. Jesus. And Heaslip was something like, you know, Heaslip had missed three out of 
out yeah. of the last 90 probably games Probably from Pascal Pape tried to murder him that time, was it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's back. But like, it's these lads are, um, like, you know, it's they, they can seem, some of them can seem hard, hard to warm to from a distance. But I just think it's incredible what they put their bodies through. And, yeah. you know, for, all right, so Jamie Heaslip's probably on 500 grand a year. Like, Wayne Rooney gets 500 grand in, what, like, two Today. weeks? <laughs> yeah, like a week and a half. Yeah. Like, and, but and he th- I think put his body through that kind of stuff. I Luke, think, that, that's, I think that's admirable, and I think that's why uh, rugby over the 10 years that you were talking about football kind of went missing in terms of support in the country. Yeah. I think that's why how they gained more fans in the country, because more people were admirable. Like, um, a friend of mine, Richie Doyle, who's 30-31, fo- playing football all his life, and has two years ago signed up to play for Seapoint started on their tour team and I was on their first team you know he's 30 yeah. 31 years of age you know, and he did he got into rugby because of that admirable factor you know uh, Ronaldo's on X amount yeah. uh, faking an injury and look he slips after getting battered but he's still playing you know I yeah. think I think they did I think the RFU and I, I think they gained a lot of fans because of that I, I and it's admirable it's so admirable I, yeah I, th- I think the biggest thing for rugby is, is there's just an honesty whether you're good or bad or whatever it is, there's still an like you, you can't hide in a rugby pitch. Yeah. And there's there's a bit of an honesty to it. Like I'm watching some of the Swedish lads go down yesterday and I put up on, on Facebook, I said, Did the girls go down as easy as their players? Like, because <laughs> it was I'm saying that, yeah. It was pathetic some of the stuff yeah. that you know, and, and that drives me mad. And then you see fellas who've split their heads open and they're like, No, 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 I'm staying on the pitch in, yeah. in a rugby match or whatever and Look, yeah, different worlds, different cultures, all the rest. But um, could be the detriment of the player, though, and, and as we know, with yeah. the whole well, concussion the, stuff. I was going to say the concussion battle, like that's a whole different thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I hate talking about it as well. Yeah, we we've talked about it at length on this, and we had uh, Bernard Jackman on before, and we touched on it a little bit with him because he Birch is great, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's brilliant, ah, lovely bloke, lovely bloke. And you know what's funny about him as well? He's so big, and yeah, you see like old clips of him on the telly. You didn't think he, he doesn't was that look? Big. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Like lads, I'm five foot. Six. I claim to my wife I'm five foot seven just because we we're always having rows about who's taller. She's got longer legs, I've got longer arms, but <laughs> I don't know. We'll have a funny looking kid, I'd say. <laughs> but um but like sometimes I'll be talking to these guys <laughs> like a foot and a half taller than me. <laughs> like they are just like so and when when you get the visiting teams, the South Africans or something come over, yeah. like and you're in a room with Backies both, you're like or even Ed Smith, and you're like going, How is this person a human being? Like yeah. that's outrageous. Like. And to go a step further, like um, on the the tour to America and Canada a couple of years ago, I turned out, I flew over on the Wednesday, and the other two lads, Roy O'Connor from the Indo and Gavin Kumsky from the Times, went out on the Monday. On the Tuesday night, there was a do on in the Texan the the Texan Stadium, the NFL team, yeah. and JJ Watt is mad into rugby, and he was along at it, and the lads got their pictures taken with JJ Watt. Right now, Rory's a bit bigger than me; he'd be about I'd say five, ten, eleven, broad enough shoulders. He looks like a midget <laughs> beside JJ Watt. And then after the game in Houston, I saw JJ Watt walk past us, you know, in the press area, and I. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Like, how can somebody? How can a woman? Like, what kind of baby comes out? Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? What do you feed him? It's outrageous. They're ridiculous. They're some just incredibly large units. Yeah. That's the only you can call. Like, but, they're just. But this is the thing, and you're, we're, we're trying to talk about concussions and how do you protect all these guys? Look, if people are this size moving around and at that speed, like mm. even if you're not getting hit in the head, your head is still good. It's like the whiplash effect, and your your brain bounces yeah. around inside. Like I've only been concussed once. Well, properly concussed once playing rugby, and I've still have a scar there. So. 
you know, I went to tackle a guy and then one of my teammates came around the back to tackle at the same time and both our heads smashed into each other. Yeah. And all the Clontarf lads thought that your man had bust through a double tackle. No, no, no. We just <laughs> rang each other's bells at the exact same time. But I was split straight open, blood everywhere. I had to go to the hospital. Um, but I remember being on the side of the pitch waiting to be brought down and... Like, I couldn't focus on anything. My yeah. eyes were going, I'm sure if I do hand gestures now, that'd be useless for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was like, it was just swirling. It was like there was waves in my eyes going side to side. I don't get very many headaches. My head was absolutely yeah. thumping. And I can't comprehend how anyone who would have those symptoms can stay in a rugby pitch or, or any pitch. It's, it's, it's just a professional on. game yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is, yeah. It's frightening. Like, I, I, I had a bad concussion before. Uh, granted, not quite as in the heroic circumstances as you did. I fractured my skull on a bouncy castle. <laughs> <laughs> so, my concussion is a little bit different. But the How did the you, physics of that even work? So, what had happened was, myself and my mate had climbed up onto the wall of the bouncy castle having a sort of wrestling match type situation. And I decided at this Because we all love wrestling. At this moment in my WrestleMania life. WrestleMania 25, I was there. No way, were you? Yeah. <sighs> Worst title match ever. <laughs> I have a right story I'll tell you off air as well. Um, but I, at this moment in my life, decided I was born for gymnastics. <laughs> and I tried to do some sort of backward somersault tumble type thing off the bouncy castle. But rather than going to the inside where it's bouncy... Gobshite here went to the outside where it's the solid ground, hopped me head off the ground and I was gone. Um and like that I can when I I woke up and to me eternal credit and it's something I'm quite proud of. The, fu- the first question I asked in the ambulance was, Is Roy Keane still playing for Ireland? So I was delighted at that question when I got told about it. But in the hospital, the stuff you were describing there, the whole not being able to focus, nothing like that. This is up north, by the way. So the the, the nurse was trying to get details from me and she was like do you have a doctor? Who who's your GP? Like, you know, he's like Doctor Stone. He lives behind me, mate's calf, and that's all. Like, like all yeah, I could, yeah. all I could you get up the was, heart? yeah, he lives behind me, mate's calf. That's all I kept saying, and they were like, "What is? We, sorry, where is it though?" And I was like, "Behind Mick's calf. How do you not know this? Like, that's I couldn't comprehend that they didn't know where it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but um. Yeah, the concussion and the whole professional thing, like the the, the worst. Because they're genetic of, freaks now, the players. Oh, they were never genetic right. freaks when I started watching rugby in the the, the mid uh, late nineties. Well, look, Key Wood. Yeah, but you see, mm. when the, when the game first turned professional, now look, the Aussies and the Kiwis were acting professional, and the Aussies were certainly finding ways to make sure lads didn't have to work very strenuous hours so that they could like go to the gym and all that. So this is like in the eighties, and, yeah. and it was already professional down in the southern hemisphere before nineteen ninety five. They said right. That's so, it, yeah. But if it, what you'll see is if you look at all a lot of games from like the mid nineties to the early two thousands, the first thing all the coaches start doing is right lads, get big. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and lads just started like getting up. massive and it and then it was it was taking away all the speed and the agility and but the sports science in um in rugby now is at such a stage that like there's a couple of Irish guys who worked with Leinster and worked with the IRFU and they've set up Kitman Labs and it's all about like how to predict um, injuries and strength and condition, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. They now have contracts with the San Francisco 49ers, uh, one of the baseball teams, wow. like wow. With, with franchises in America. And it's all come from the sports science that they were able to develop through rugby. That's incredible. Um, and now, like, you know, there's a, there's a, 
the All Blacks in particular as well, they're looking at it's not about being as big as you can be, it's about being as strong as you can be. And yeah. there's a difference in a lot of people, like you might see fellas who have massive biceps and all the rest running around on the beach, but you know, there's a reason why, <laughs> it's a reason why we call things beach weights. Danny just slapped my bicep. <laughs> beach bodies and stuff, but like how, how strong are they or, or how long can they last? You know, yeah. like could they do 10 push-ups? Right, but the skinnier lad with the stronger muscles might do 20 or what. I mean, Would there be it's like that Harry Houdini thing where he used to challenge people to hang from two rings, just supporting their own body weight, yeah. just hanging from it. And he said, if you can do it for two minutes, I'll give you, I think it was like $100 or something, or I'll challenge you and see it. how long. And they'd always fail after 30 seconds, whereas he could hang on because like that, it was the strength for what you were yeah. asking. He was able to do it for that amount of time. Like, is there ever a question, and he just, you know, we're huge MMA fans, is there any yeah. ever a question of peds involved in rugby players? Oh, yeah. Physique, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the, the, the kind of the dirty laundry you don't like people seeing, but, I mean, it's talked about even to the point where... Are they, they're tested, I assume. Oh, yeah. they're all oh, tested. Of course like, they're tested. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but it's kind of... I don't know, it's the polite way of saying, like, what supplements are they giving them? Is yeah, that kind I think, of... Look, look, I think the, there's definitely, there's a problem, like, they've identified it in Wales and England at yeah. the junior level. And when you say junior level, it's like junior soccer, junior ga. It's, like, your Sunday league players but yeah. who take it really seriously. And a lot of those guys are getting caught taking steroids. Now, some of them are trying to, like, you know, catch the attention of a professional team or something like that. And... Like the only thing when people have asked me, could any Irish rugby player, any current Ireland international, could they have ever done steroids or anything like that? Um, maybe if there'd been a window, you know, when they were 17, 18, 19, yeah. potentially. But even then, I would say, like, the, you know, I could not imagine that anybody would be able to do steroids in the current system without the strength and conditioning coaches and the people involved knowing. So, that, you, yeah. so if it was being done, it would be known about and it would be... <laughs> Not necessarily systemic, but yeah. it would be, you know, like, it wouldn't just be one guy, you know, f- you know, sticking a syringe in, the, in his arm in the toilet or anything like that. It would, because mm. um, these guys are so closely monitored. Now, the big thing in South Africa is they've always said that the, you know, South Africans genetically, because the Dutch sent the biggest, baddest, meanest mother efforts they could ever find when they wanted to take over the place. Yeah. So their genetic pool is all big guys anyway, but... The conversation always is, well, you know, what are they doing before they're eighteen? You know, and they and they enter the professional yeah. setups and But does it matter what they're doing before they're eighteen? Well this this is like my some argument places you can't messy. Oh yeah. Some yeah. places you can't test you're not allowed to test athletes under the age of eighteen and, and mm. look I I mean I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I mean I would hate to th- I would I would I would hate to think that we're watching a lot of guys who've been on steroids, but you'd be considering all the stuff that we've seen in every other sport. You, you know, you wouldn't be you foolish, be, but you, you should never say never. Like you know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be like a cycling situation. I don't think there's going to be this kind of big pullback to court and everybody sitting there with you know blood bags and yeah. all this. But I, as I said, I think we'll be a little bit naive to say it's not happening somewhere. Yeah. it's mad isn't it because we spoke to Paul Howard about it and there was a sense of disappointment in him that and scepticism that it's in all sports but I he was disappointed is, yeah. that you know that's our that, default viewpoint isn't yeah, it yeah yeah he was when, disappointed like. when you look at the level of people being caught in other sports like you look at say you said MMA a minute ago like so if you look at how much that's changed even in the last sort of 12 to 18 months since like 
particularly the UFC, you've brought in Uazda. Yeah, uh, USADA, USADA and all that sort of stuff. And they've got Jeff Nowinski, who was one of the guys who went after Lance Armstrong. And then if you even look at how cycling has gone, and now you look at the tennis situation with Maria Sharapova, it, you look at all these things and you think somewhere, some other sport is looking at this and saying, How do we get away with it? Or, do we pull the plug on what we're doing now? You know what I mean? Like, one of the paper, I can't remember which paper it was, a couple of weeks ago, around with a story about this London doctor who apparently was. This is Sunday Times, yeah. Did Sunday Times, yeah. Premier League players and, and tennis players. And yeah. yeah. Now, nothing came of it from what I'm aware of because it seemed to be pretty uns- unsubstantiated. But, I mean. It was your man getting caught with a hidden camera and. Yeah. And, Making claims, but is that smoke without fire? That's going is that the, like the whole uh, Sheik and Sven Goran Eriksson job? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But like, I think you, you know the one thing. Um, I think the, the debate that they have in the NFL over in the states is that like these guys play because the season is so short. Like if you go to the Super Bowl, it's a twenty week season. You get yeah. one bye week, maybe a twenty one week. You get two. You get a bye week before the Super Bowl. But, like, those guys play with injuries that it's like, yeah, give me the painkillers, give me the injection, give me whatever, strap it up, and I'm going out because they're playing for their they're playing for their careers, they're playing for the money, all the rest of it. And it's like, look, you can spend six months on the sideline in the summer and get your surgery. Whereas, you know, if you were playing a nine-month season, they'd be like, no, you sit down for six weeks and, yeah. you know, sort it naturally or whatever. So the big argument they have is, um, should HGH be legal or illegal? Jesus. And the thing about that is, well, <laughs> HGH... Is actually more for human recovery. growth hormones. Yeah, but it's more for recovery and sustainability rather than actually making you, you know, a superior athlete than what you would be if you took a load of roids and that kind of thing. And I think there's a bit of a misconception about the use of HGH. So they're kind of saying, well, look, these guys are killing themselves and their bodies are a wreck. Can we not do something to medically assist them? But I think the problem for the NFL is that if they if they say it's a, it's allowed and all of a sudden 20 years down the line turns out there's all these horrible side effects from everyone using HGH. Yeah. Now that said, they don't test for it strenuously. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, there, there, there does come a time when like, if we're trying to extract every single uh, ounce of effort from every microfiber of every athlete who competes in any sport... And then say, oh, well, you're not allowed to have any kind of, you can't take all these medical things because you'd be cheating or whatever. Like, I don't know, like, what, 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 what can, I know it sounds healthy and all, but like, yeah. these tennis players, Novak Djokovic, like, when he's 50, is he going to have a heart attack or, like, it's incredible, like, the intensity yeah. that these guys are at. Like, the cyclists as well, I mean, are we going to see a lot of them drop dead in their mid 40s and 50s all of a sudden from steroid abuse? And yeah. like, like the rest of well, the, seen, the 90s. Seen, was it, was it, Paul passing away yeah. from steroid abuse. Well, that's true. And was it, Pantiani, the cyclist who died a couple of years ago, because like that, you know, he'd been abusing and it caught up with him essentially. Like, yeah, well, like look at the, um, like with steroid abuse with the Ultimate Warrior Macho Man, they all had heart attacks. Yeah, yeah. And, know, yeah. and that was like 10, 15 years after they had been using the substances. I know it's a different kind of example, but it's it's it, it shares the point where are these lads going to drop dead 10, 20 years after they r- retire? Recent example in MMA. Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice, you know. You know, Kevin Ferguson. Um, but you look at Kimbo Slice and he looks bigger than he should be for definitely. for a man of his size. Yeah. Like, and I think that was one of the things, I mean, I, I remember reading about some of the, the wrestlers who 
were essentially bodybuilders who were running around in the ring. Yeah. But their muscles were so big, they were tearing tendons and ligaments left, right and centre because their mu- the muscles were... Far- like, you can't make a tendon or a ligament any stronger or, or, yeah. or any bigger. And that's when you see, like, a lot of... Well, um, I didn't realise that. Yeah, and so you'll see that in rugby when guys get knee ligament injuries and things like that because they've built their bodies up. Like, some guys who might be naturally sort of slight... They have had to bulk up to survive playing at the highest level in rugby. So mm. in certain circumstances, like there's going to be too much of a pressure load going through a knee joint or a hip joint. I mean, that's just like Sean O'Brien. I was going to say, do Sean O'Brien's going to have terrible. Like he's already had hip surgery. Like shoulder, how many shoulder surgeries he's had said, as well? Yeah. yeah, you know. So I mean, these he's guys, out at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Well, the problem there was the need. They thought the hamstring would heal naturally if they just did treatment, and it was explained to me by a, a friend of mine who has a bit more expertise in this area than I do, and he said, look, sometimes a bleed on the muscle, when you scan it, you can't definitely tell if the whole muscle is torn or just half yeah. of it is torn. And the thing the thinking was only a little bit of torn, and then when he was supposed to be back ready, he's like turning around to the physio, he's going, lads, this, I'm still not able to go full tilt, scanned him again, they went, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah, it's completely torn. It hasn't healed. Look, we're running out of time, lads. And I, I hate saying that because I've loved this because it's not often I get to talk about rugby on the podcast. Um, but before you go, Adam, the sevens, the men have a chance to qualify for the Olympics this weekend. Yes. And next weekend in UCD, the women have a chance. Yeah. Well, as soon as there was any talk of uh, us starting up a sevens program, which we have neglected for about a million years. Um, Ridiculously so. Uh, it just came down to a cost factor, you know, to run these yeah. teams. And even now, I know the men's team is being run on an absolute shoestring. And the lads are, you know, the lads who are on the team are, you know, making sacrifices and stuff to be mm. on them. Um, but when any, whenever the discussion about sevens came up, I said, if we have an Irish team at the Olympics, it'll be a women's team we'll be cheering on. And yeah. I, I honestly didn't think we'd have a, a men's team set up. And the team that we have, they've done brilliant. They've gone through every single... Yeah, they've done well. Every competition yeah. that they should have gone through. And it's to be expected because look, we 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 do produce a lot of talent. Like, yeah. um, I think they just they're up. Like, there's I think Samoa are in there are in the competition, yeah. and I just think that's like Samoa. They're top seeds. Samoa are top seeds for yeah. it as well. And yeah. and it's only one place out of the whole competition. It's a repetage, yeah. You know, so that's it. Like, I think the I think the women have a good chance, and I think that'll be like you know if you're around Dublin and there's nothing else going on. You know, yeah. I don't know what they're going to be charging at the door, but if the, if the weather's good, it'd be a bit of crack, good atmosphere. Definitely, yeah. Um, the Sevens is always a bit of crack. I don't know if anybody ever watches it on the, the Sevens World Series, but it always looks like a bit of crack in the crowd as well. Like, and well, I think the hope would be to see that um, the women are now on the World Series for the women, but it's not yeah. as big an event. Um, mm. But what I would like to see is if the men could get through, I think if they win, they have a competition now in July, if they yeah. win that... They're on the European series as it is, and then through that you have an opportunity to get onto the World Series, and then you're talking Hong Kong, Dubai, Probably Las London, Vegas, Las Vegas, yeah. all these kind of things, and hopefully then you could say, well, can we get can we get a seventh weekend in Aviva because they're they're great crack, yeah, you know. So what's the what's the talent pool with the men's uh, sevens team? Um, it's good. It's a mixture of academy lads and sort of uh, one or two fringe players, and then sort yeah. of like the really top young talent in the AIL who maybe don't have contracts for various reasons. Like sometimes, like, like 
fellas will see guys playing in the AIL and they're like, how is he not being picked up? And like some fellas are like, because I know I'll get a two-year contract somewhere and I'll play like 10 games and someone in financial services or in the hospital or wherever it is I want to have my career after rugby gets an advantage and I lose out on work experience yeah. and all yeah. this. So The women's talent pool has gone exceptionally well as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, the one the one to look out there for is uh, Lucy Mulhall. She's, um, she's still quite young. She's the captain of the team, but she was a former Wicklow player and she mm. just got caught up in the, the talent ID thing. So a lot of gap players is what they're looking at to bring in, particularly in the women's side yeah, of things. Yeah, Kim, Kim, Kim and Stacey Flood as well. Yeah, and, and all these... And, and Fiona Copeland's after going over, isn't she? No, 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 she's, she's retired now. Neve Briggs is oh, Sorry, Neve Briggs. Sorry, Briggs, that's yeah. it. Yeah, she's gone from 15, so yeah. seven. So you have a couple of Grand Slam winners and title winners yeah. uh, who are playing for the team. Then you have these other girls who've come through who are just, they're pure athletes or they were footballers or yeah. or whatever. And, you know, it's it's funny. We've we've a friend of ours um, who's, uh, she started life as a 400 metre sprinter and then got a really bad uh, glute hamstring injury. Yeah. So then she went through, she was involved with the sevens thing for a while now she's doing Olympic weightlifting and she's been Jeez. at the European Championships for Ireland. Like, she's 50. That, that whole team, though, is multi-talented, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. the girl I'm talking about is like 58 kilos. And wow. she's now lifts, she's lifts twice her weight and all the rest. You know, the kind of... That's uh, incredible. Uh, that's me. I'm 58. Yeah. On a good day. Yeah, on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's a lot of people out there, women particularly, and they're not necessarily obsessed with what competition or what sport. They, they just want to... You know, just see athletically yeah. how far can I go, and and you know, it, some of them just want to represent their country. And it's like the floods are played all Ireland with Dublin. Yeah, uh, football. Games played Champions League football, women's Champions League football. Yeah, and P- was a P-mount she played with? Yeah, yeah. Or Rainy? No, I think no, it's P-mount. I think, and I think yeah. the sevens, the sevens rugby as well. It kind of has an appeal that as that you see is huge in America with women's, as they call it, women's soccer. Like, yeah, like. There's a big row going on. The, the women's soccer players get hardly any money compared yeah. to the men's, and the people are going, "Yeah, but the women win the World Cup all the time." Mm. And but at the same, it's, but it's but it's the same. It's the same issue that you have here. Even though it's well supported at grassroots level and all the rest, the sponsorship money is being brought in Bare, by men's yeah. teams, and that's where sports organisations, I think, have a responsibility to say, "Well, it may be this team bringing the money in, and this team may need more money." But we've got to spread the wealth, and yeah. that's what I think is great. Like the GAA, you fill Croke Park, all that money goes back around the whole country. You know, mm. into clubs, into grassroots training, coaches, all that kind of thing. So yeah, I think uh, my future wife, uh, American goalkeeper Hope Solo, made that point very well. Actually, I was uh, reading an interview with ESPN. Was she beating someone up at the time, or um, was she relatively? Yeah, she, she was probably beating somebody up who was saying like, "Don't go with that, Danny lad. He's a gimp." She, <laughs> she was like, "How dare you? How dare you?" Um, but yeah, no, definitely the sevens. Uh, the weekend of the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Yes, That's next weekend. Yeah, yeah and it'll UCD. be new CD. And and the good thing about that is it's sort of a it's a part of a trial run. Like we have the women's world cup is going to be here next year. Yeah, and the women are going to play in November because they definitely need a bit of a plug for this. But in UCD again, they'll be playing in the, over the course of I think eleven days. They'll play New Zealand, Canada, and England. So they're the top teams in women's rugby, and yeah. it's kind of like a, a again, it's like a warm up for the women's world cup, which we'll have next summer and. Look, you know, didn't know the Women's World Cup's going to be held here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so they have the pool stages here and the knockout stages will be in Belfast. Yeah. Um, That's brilliant. All of the warm up to 2023 when we get the, the yeah. big show. The big show. And it's funny, lads, you know, look, I, I, I was making an argument to uh, some of the lads in our football uh, chat group on the weekend and they're like, oh, rugby's crap sport, don't care. And I was like, lads, like, 
it's people wearing green jerseys. It's people, yeah. you know, like of your country achieving something. And like, if you can't share that and get on board with that, then you're going to miss out. Like, because look, we might not all be into women's sport, but there's a million things we never thought we'd be into. And mm. like, you know, we never thought we'd all be into MMA and yeah. all these various things. And look, when Irish people are achieving, like, let's not be begrudgers. Let's except cricket. Let's get behind. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I'd watch them folly. I'd follow them playing chess, but not cricket. Well, what if they're playing England, though? Oh, there you go. I'll see. I'll see. You're appealing to the Republican, and I'm there. I'll see. I'll see. Owen Mor- Morgan and I'd be going to play I for think, England, I think, I think and then coming back. Yeah, and now he's captain of England. My goal over the next twelve months is bring Merrill to as many sporting fixtures <laughs> that he has no interest in going to, and I promise I'll turn up at a Rovers game. But uh, all right, there's a deal. Yeah, Look at the deal. I'm trying to, I've been trying to bridge a deal with Ross Ambrett and look at that, you still getting a deal on one night. We'll come up with a snap. I love live sport though. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I love, I love going to GA Halls, watching Are you going to come to the sevens? I might go to the sevens, yeah. We'll go to the sevens. Yeah. And we'll hopefully see everybody up there. It's UCD, right? So there's loads of free parking or if you don't want to, there's a major bus route or two to go as by it as well. It's handy, lads. It's yeah, handy and you have a bit of coverage there. There's a stand there that'll have a bit of coverage. Yeah, exactly, if yeah. If it does what it normally does in Ireland and it rains. Yeah. A, bit, a bit of light drizzle. I tell you what, Meryl, we'll come up with some sort of snappy hashtag and we'll keep bringing each other different sports. <laughs> different <right>? days, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have you in the Rovers Ultras and all the time. Happy days. Do we need to get a tattoo or a <laughs> no, shaved head? Is that all right? Is we'll that talk about that off air. Shaved head's fine. <laughs> right, Adam, lastly, top and go rugby. Tell us a bit about it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, I set it up a couple of years ago just um, as a blog because... Um, you know, when you're working for a newspaper, you can't get every story into the paper. You also can't get every idea in. And um, I was working at Emerald Rugby as well, yeah. and which is an, uh, man an old... Man of slapping and yeah, yeah, so that was an old Irish um, rugby magazine. It's, there, it's, it's gone, is it? It's gone now, yeah. So, I mean, there's an outlet there which... Yeah, you rest in peace, yeah. There's an outlet there which, you know, I, I love doing like lots of little quirky things and... I featured, like, I featured at Emerald Rugby. Yeah, you did, I did. <laughs> Didn't know it was gone, God bless it. Yeah. Um, so, but it's it's an outlet. Like I can't get, I couldn't get wheelchair rugby into the into the paper. Yeah. I can't get like you know some club rugby into the paper sometimes, or women's rugby or whatever. And like, I feel like if you're going to work and report on a sport, you've a duty to promote it. Like you know the way. Absolutely, now my yeah. editor will tell me he wants the news line and and what's going to give us a headline and all this, and that's part of the job. I hate. I love the magazine style stuff. But, so I've been a bit quiet on the site in the last, I'd say, the last 12 months, and it's mainly just been because it's um, just because I'm doing my studies and Married. a lot of various other things. Growing up, as we say. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as that's done now, I'm hoping in August now to come up with a couple of regular features that I'll do every week, whether it's, you know, um, retro pieces, you know, little staff pieces, little interviews yeah. with people who you might not always hear about maybe even look up set, set up a rival podcast or something you know kill the jets there <laughs> we don't have rivals we have friends now. <laughs> yeah exactly if you want to be a friend that's all right <laughs> but yeah it's something it's something i want to look into for um for next year and just see if i can just commit to doing a couple of pieces a week yeah. um to have the same sort of theme to it and uh, just because i think there there is a there's a spot open there to have a rugby magazine again definitely because you know, you need to cover all parts of the sport and, and people are chuffed. Like you ring up, like when, when the women's team were just getting through and you're ringing up to do pieces with them, they were yeah. chuffed to be getting a bit of exposure and like there's a lot of good stories out there to tell and, you know, unfortunately newspapers because it's so commercially driven, you can't always tell 
those uh, those stories. So look, we'll see how it goes during the year, and and maybe it would be something at the end of the season that if it's if it's getting a bit more pick up, uh, a look into sort of can you can we do a proper digital magazine? Because yeah. I think the days of trying to do a print magazine now. Um, unfortunately gone yeah. yeah I mean like even Emerald Rugby the problem they had was yeah, like everybody here expects a glossy magazine I don't know if you've ever seen Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated is basically paper, paper, yeah, it's, it's, paper it's smaller yeah. and it's I yeah. love it like if I ever see it in Easton's I get it and I just think it looks great I don't read every story because I'm not into baseball and loads of things yeah. but it, they'll always tell you good stories about people and that's what you want um, so but if I try to sell a magazine like that here I don't know if people necessarily buy it but the yeah. other thing is there's a, there's some company that does the distribution and they rob you blind. Really? So next time you go and buy 442 or Rugby World or MMA World or whatever yeah. it is and you're like going, why is this nine euros? It's because somebody, some middleman is fleecing you and, and, yeah. and that's why, that's where podcasts and that's where digital magazines and, and websites, that's where the future is, lads. You Definitely, know? yeah. It's because a digital age, man. You know, Sports Illustrated, me old mates over there. John yeah. Wayne, yeah, your buddy. <laughs> Um, well, look, we, we wish you well with that, and uh, when you do start getting it back up and running, when you've had more time after, you've yeah. had your grown-up phase now <laughs> and all that, uh, let us know and we'll, we'll plug it now, because it is, it's great, and a couple of the articles on it, are, I know, as I said, you hadn't really done a whole lot on it, but even the fact that you had some kind of, of the pros that are playing abroad and that, like, so it's yeah. great to get their aspect as well. Like, Well, that's it, that's the one thing, I mean, there's so many lads playing in England, um, playing in England or in France and all the rest, and they, they're great tales to tell, I mean, like, yeah. there was... Um, there's one of the guys, Dennis Fogarty, he was telling me great stuff about playing the second division in France and like seeing like local supporters chasing referee out of the stadium afterwards. <laughs> this, this is me talking about this is me talking about respect for referees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the second division in France is like the Wild West, you know. <laughs> but it, it sounds like you know, and your man's a postman or something or yeah. whatever, you know, he's the referee. Brilliant. But like, it's yeah, there's there's great stories out there, and it's like to be honest with you, I'd love to do an Irish sports magazine because yeah. you know, there's uh, there's so many people out there who have such a passion for whether it's just be, whether it's just representing Ireland whether it's helping young players like I did a club column for the Mail which hopefully will reappear in, a, in another newspaper next season and some of the best stories I've ever written or been able to share and tell have been from guys in the club and there was I know we're short on time but the last oh, this yeah, one right. guy he's in his mid-60s and um, we gave him uh, an award there with the Rugby Riders of Ireland there last year and he's a coach down at Cork Con and he's been down there for 40 odd years and he's always just done like the under eights and under tens. And he was the first coach to put O'Gara and Stringer together as a nine Brilliant. and ten. But he's, well, like we went through all the players he's coached, like he's coached like 20 or 30, 40 Munster players. He's coached 20 Irish players. He's coached 10 British and Irish Lions. Like it's phenomenal. And he's yeah. like, these are the stories. These are the people out yeah, there. That they you don't just, hear about. Yeah. And, and they live for helping kids fulfill their dreams or just get the best out of a sport yeah. and like that's at the end of the day like we, we don't get days like like Saturday when we get two Irish rugby teams be two of the biggest superpowers in the world we don't get to Euros and World Cups and get days out in Paris where you know we can have bullfighting games with the <laughs> Swedish fans in the street and sing ABBA and do all these things and, and chant go home to yeah, your sexy wives that yeah. was brilliant you know yeah. and that's like that's 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 the reason why like, you're making all apologies for talking about sport for the next couple of weeks. We should never apologise for talking about sport, lads. No, it's, yeah. it's the best thing in the world. Talk like. about what we want. <laughs> Love it. That's it. You, you're wrecking Sorry, the gaff there. I got Look, caught there in the wire. You're wrecking the gaff Sorry, now. man. I'm really happy I haven't wrecked the gaff here at all. <laughs> you were actually, that was a lovely speech, and then he comes along and wrecked it by just destroying his like mind. I didn't mean to. I'll let you away with it, it's grand. 
I feel invigorated after that now. That was good. I like yeah. that. That was. And look, when you do get it back up and running, or if you do opt to go down the podcast route as well, man, definitely. Because I think. Uh, yeah, a bit of a time share. Friends, never rivals. Yeah. yeah. Friends. And um, I think, as you said there, yeah, some of the stories that would be out there would be absolutely brilliant. Like. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah, that's us. Um, Adam, thanks, me, man. If people want to follow you on the Twitter, at Adam Redmond. So, simple there you enough. Go. And uh, it's worth it with the next couple of weekends that are in it. You're, you'll be live to eat the matches yeah, and that. Yeah, so. um, but just, I, I, I come up with a lot of good stats that you might not necessarily uh, see in other places. I come up with very insightful things. But uh, on the weekend, the biggest amount of retweets I got was from a picture I took of Devin Toner off the TV when they had his head off camera. I've seen it, it was yeah, hilarious. Was and Devin it just Toner, goes to yeah. show you, lads, like social media, <laughs> like you could, you, could be, you could be passing on the secret to life. Yeah. If you have a good funny photo or that's something, that's, You're commentating live, like, you know? Yeah, that's brilliant. It. Brilliant. Um, Adam, thanks a million. Just to be here, lads, anytime. Lads, Gent. you can check out all our previous chapters as well on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, anywhere and everywhere. Just search WTS Pod. You can check out Facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland, Twitter at WTS Pod. I'm at Dan Joe Murray. He's at American Mania. That's it. Great. Got it to one one go this yeah, week as well. Yeah. No bread. A clean take. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Normally that takes about four of them. And yeah, absolutely. Look, if you are around um, the weekend, the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, do pop along to UCD. Cheer on the women; they're going for the Olympics, lads. It will be absolutely amazing to have uh, an Irish team at the Olympics. Considering rugby is back in the Olympics, well, Come on, lads, you don't, yeah. don't want to just be cheering on hockey in the Olympics, do you? Yeah, well. that's it. yeah you know, <laughs> or or horses that might have questionable substances in them. Um, anyway, yeah. Do we have? No, he's not there this year, is he? What's your man's name? Keen O'Connor. Keen O'Connor. Yeah, He's yeah. the one that's been done a few times, is he? Well, his horses have. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those pesky horses. <laughs> Those bloody horses. You can't turn your back for On the pets. <laughs> anyway, lads, it has been a pleasure as always. Come on, Ireland. In Come on, sport, Ireland. In every sport. We'll beat the Belgians. We'll beat the Italians. We'll beat the South Africans. The, the, the wolf puppies will go on to win the world championships. And what a year it shall be. <laughs> year of the underdog, lads. Yes, it? it is. Yeah, love it. Graham. Yeah. Until next week. Good luck. Oh, God bless.